1: Hey there Thunder Buddies and Travellers down Thunder Road, it's us, Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder Rewatch podcast that you didn't ask for but we did anyway, coming to us part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, your wild stipulation on Thunder Road, Dave Ryan, and I am joined as I am every week by my faithful co-host, he's Stagger Lee Malone. Lee, how are you this week?
0: I'm good, pal. A bit uh,
1: perturbed at the dog collar around my, my neck. Yeah,
0: But, uh, hey, listen, we do things for this show that people don't expect.
1: Yeah, and I've got my piss contacts in more on that later. piss <laughs> contacts. It's fucking it's the one memory I have of this show at this point. Um, yeah, uh, it's weird because, like, I suppose uh, let's uh, go a bit inside baseball. Uh, as people are listening to this, you're away on your jolliers. No, I'll be back and all. Will you? Oh, yeah. so you're just being a lazy fuck, basically.
0: Well, no. We normally record... No, no, that's grand. No. The, the, the Monday <laughs> yeah. before the show comes out. Yeah.
1: I will not be in the country yeah. until late on Monday. See, this is what happens. Malone's got away whiff of that sponsorship money now. And he's just fucking jet-setting.
0: Listen, the, the, the first the first uh, quarter of that uh,
1: sponsorship money has come in and... Yeah. Listen, plans have been made. He's, uh, I've heard you've incorporated yourself in Malta uh, for for reasons as yet disclosed. Listen, I just there's
0: there's been a recent opening in the uh, in the football agent
1: world, so I may or may not be taking some meetings. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe I, uh, you know, I was talking last week on the show about how, you know, Stagger Lee is gone. Should we should we look at a new nickname? And the Dennis O'Brien of podcasting is right there.
0: <laughs> just
1: saying.
0: Listen, that money was just resting.
1: Huh? <laughs> hey, buddy. I Do you know what my uh, one of my uh, big takeaways from the last show is speaking of the last show we did? I got four words for you. Snack talk is over. Yeah, man. Pe- people people t- love the, t- the snack talk. Thunder buddies are digging snack talk. Even though, like, it's a it's a thing that has become a bit on the show, but was not actually intended to be a bit. No, I mean, you did not want to talk about snacks the last time. No, it's it is not. It, neither neither time has it been something that we put on the docket to talk about. Uh, it's just something that's happened uh, out of not wanting to talk about what's happening on, the, on WCW at the time. um. And as a result, Lee, we, we've ended up accidentally making this a segment. And, and we just reached out to see if a couple of people have uh, some snacks of choice for us to like uh, not review as in um eat, unfortunately, but uh review as in have a look at would it be our kind of thing? So I guess snack talk is a thing. Well, well, hang on. I would be open to people sending us some snacks. Oh, look. Do you know, we've said we'll be co-opted by anyone. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if companies... Uh, how do you think the fucking Maltese Falcon there on the other end of Zoom to me <laughs> funds his lavish lifestyle? It isn't by paying for his own snacks, I'll tell you that.
0: If any uh, Irish companies, English companies, American companies want to start sending some stuff our way, they're more than welcome to.
1: Oh, anytime, time. Except mushrooms. I wasn't actually prepared for how uh, controversial my elbow drop on mushrooms would be. I mean, it's not controversial, it's just wrong. I didn't realise how many, like, fungus perverts there were out there amongst (laughs) the thunder perverts. The thunder thunder perverts? (laughs) Amongst the thunderbirds, yeah. (laughs) Fucking Tracy Island is rife with fucking mushrooms. Uh, (laughs) Listen,
0: people that listen to us have good taste and they enjoy their mushrooms
1: do you mean people have good taste you know semicolon however they enjoy mushrooms (laughs) that's what you mean of course you
0: need to just accept that you are wrong
1: never never bet in me life
0: (laughs) anyway let's move on to what a couple of uh, listeners have sent on so what what's the first snack
1: okay so in our first ever edition of uh, listener snack talk on here we start off with a strong one uh, I think um, and it, it it just it it screams to me afternoon in the pub watching the football and that comes from Webcon who uh, says that their favorite snack or one of their favorite snacks anyway are Planters Redskin Spanish peanuts. Now I don't know like I I wouldn't call myself a a a snack peanut connoisseur necessarily. Um, I, you know I'll, I'll have a peanut in the pub or whatever. Uh, did I talk about the the peanut mix I've been enjoying very much lately? Yes, you have. You mentioned it before. Yes, yeah. the, the, the spicy corn mix mm-hmm. from Lidl. We'll, we'll take their sponsorship books and a, and a few, yeah, a few be, bags of corn I, mix. I remember because uh, I put over the honey roasted peanuts from Lidl. Oh, yes. So these are red skin Spanish peanuts. And what it looks like, just, you know, again, uh, looking at the, the tub here, um, looks like lightly salted as well. And that is your perfect savoury afternoon with the football and a beer, mm-hmm. which is very much the vibe of this podcast, yeah. <laughs> I think. So Planters, Redskins, Spanish Peanuts definitely get a big thumbs up from me.
0: They can definitely be sent our way.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they can definitely, yeah. So Lee is going to be the arbiter of what can and can't be sent yes. our way. And no matter what you say, I'll be overruling this next one and saying, yes, we will get this one sent our way <laughs> because I'll tell you what, longtime Thunder buddy... Uh, at Kieran edits on on Twitter, holy shit! He's come in and just dropped the bomb: Snyder's of Hanover pretzel pieces, honey mustard and onion flavor. This yep. looks like a fucking time.
0: These look great. My my first Fla- thought, I I actually looked at the tweet and my first thought was where they the uh, the pretzel borders from?
1: Um, oh, I think I think we've talked about them a long time ago on the show uh. because. We haven't really been to Oberhausen much since we started the show, but the uh, the Werther's original popcorn uh, that they sell in Germany, particularly mm-hmm. the pretzel edition, as you mentioned, there, uh, long time favorite snacks of ours. It's like crack. It's oh god, it's so good. Yeah, but, but This ba- basically any flavored pretzel is going to be a winner in my book. Yeah. Oh, I love the 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 little sour cream and onion ones you get in um you can get in Tesco. Can't think of the brand. It might be Snyder's as well. Um, But these, yeah, flavoured sourdough hard pretzel, I'm fucking, wow. Once again, <laughs> a point, a good point and a handful of these, you're not going to go too far wrong. No, I, although I almost think this might be like, I, I think the, the honey mustard and onion might be like a little bit too lush for just having with the match. You know, is this a like I'm I'm entertaining guests and I would like to impress them with my savoury snack? Oh, like you... as a, as opposed to an afternoon in the pub. This is I'm having people over for the Super Bowl. To I was snack. just gonna say you're having people over for the Champions League final.
0: Let's put on a spread. Yeah.
1: yeah, We we used to do like over in this house when I had the the lads living here with me. Um, we used to do Super Bowl, um, WrestleMania um what else would we do like if there was a world cup or european championships eurovision obviously the only the last true sport um and this would be the kind of snack that i would consider for that if i'm like if i'm really putting on a show um that would be it our final one also very strong and this is the one so the first two i'd kind of i knew that like you know salted peanuts it's not reinventing the wheel, is it, Lee? And pretzel pieces—we've heard of pretzel pieces before. Now, the honey mustard onion was new for me. This next one, from Tim Emel, this this blew my tiny little mind. These are
0: yeah, so golden so Graham some kind s'mores of s'mores
1: remix. It's bits of golden Graham. We've got a uh, cocoa puff cereal in there as well. Uh, hunks of marshmallow by the looks of it. I i mean, this is just... Uh, were you ever somebody that when you were, like, younger, uh, you would you would gladly eat, like, a tiny bowl of dried cereal? Oh, yeah, I'd still eat a tiny bowl of dried cereal. And, it, funnily enough, this is very reminiscent of the cereal I would have, like, dry as a little snack. Shreddies. Oh, okay, see, I've, I've
0: never eaten Shreddies as a dry cereal, but Cheerios and... Um, Rice Krispies, yeah, absolutely. Cornflake, any type
1: of um, like cornflake or flavoured cornflake, yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. And this is one of those, like, it's a 5.5 ounce bag and it's one of those ones that, like, it's cute because it says resealable pouch as if it's going to take more than one sitting to power (laughs) down on that sucker. (laughs) I'll tell you what. Yeah, you know, as documented on the show, I've been looking after myself a lot more the last year and I've noticed that uh, in correlation with that, I can't, it, I, with one exception in an act I'm about to tell, I can't eat as much as I used to. But I'll tell you, I will make a damn good stab at putting down one of these bags in a go. I don't even think it'd take very much. Five five mm. Five
0: and a half ounce?
1: Shouldn't be too hard. You see, it's quite light cereal though, isn't mm. it? So like, you could get a lot in 5.5 ounces. I, I guess Tim is the expert here. Um, But yeah, if you have a snack food that you... Uh, maybe don't think we're aware of in particular I'd like to see regional snack foods that would be a really interesting snack talk Um, and hey obviously as Lee said if you want to send us some snacks hit us up because uh, (laughs) like towards the end of last year we finally developed a system for getting packages to us without me having to uh, put my postal address online or pay for a PO box (laughs) so (laughs) Two things I was
0: unwilling to do. Listen, if any wrestlers had my home address, I'd be in trouble.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Here's the... Yeah, so here's... While we're in snack talk land, do you know what I did? You might know, actually. I don't know if we follow each other on Instagram. I don't even know if you have Instagram. I don't have Instagram. Yeah, I only rarely use it. But do you know what I did for the first time in two and a half years? Uh, yesterday As we're recording this
0: Go for it. What did you do For the first 70 and a half years
1: I went To a buffet <sighs> I thought hang on, hang on. Me... Alan Forel's ears Just perked up So I, For those of you Who don't know A lot of the history Of kind of like Um Our group Of like This weird corner Of Irish wrestling Twitter That the two of us Were kind of like Spat into the world from Um a lot of us are survivors of either boards.ie or the figure four observer boards back in the day. And on the figure four observer boards on Summer Slam Sunday every year, they used to do a thing called Super China Buffet Day, where um, people from the board would meet up all over the world at their nearest Chinese buffet. And, you know, they would post pictures on the board and stuff like that. And that was the first time. Well, one of the first times I had met uh, our good friend Zig and Amo before once at a house show. I recounted that story on the on the show, I believe, before. But the first time I met the likes of Alan Forel, uh, and that was at a Super China Buffet Day. And the first time the two of us actually talked properly was at a buffet yeah, as well. was at a buffet the day of uh, a tent show, wasn't it? Yeah, it was at the day of the Spiegel tent, yeah. which might have been SummerSlam Sunday. Ooh, possibly. That might have been why we did a buffet. Because we did, we we didn't usually do a buffet before OTT.
0: Do you know what it was? It was a Saturday, and I think you went to the show the next day in Belfast. Oh God, I
1: did, yeah. Because there was somebody that was in the room next to you. That yes, yeah. No, no, no. That was a different show. Different okay, show. Oh, that yeah. one. This one was still in the summer. Because I remember uh, we were uh, we were outside in T-shirts. This the show you it, <laughs> the show you were um, the the show that we went to the China Buffet Day was the Spiegel tent mm. show where we were stuck in a queue with someone who was trying to swear blind to me that Brock Lesnar's diverticulitis was a work. Jesus. <laughs> and that CM Punk was winning the Royal Rumble that year. CM Punk, who at that stage had been gone three or four years from WWE. Wow. Yeah. So
0: that was the first time you met Robert. <laughs> Here
1: he is. Here he is. Fucking name a dirt cheat, brother. Uh, anyway. Um, I went to this buffet. So this is my first... Buffets had been long part of the tradition of our friends group, which All that preamble was just to say that. Um... But when COVID happened, I kind of wrote off the idea that buffets would ever be a thing again. Mm. Uh, The buffet we used to like to go to in Dublin had closed down just before COVID. And then COVID hit, and we were all fucked. Now, there was one Chinese in Oberhausen I never went to that Alan swears by. But all of us never went to. Yeah, not to go to. Because it's in a train station. (laughs) And, like train stations and Chinese restaurants. Uh, There's something about it. And, like, I believe Alan. I believe that he had great food every time. And I believe that the people in there genuinely did know him by the end, (laughs) which is what it sounds like. But anyway, uh, we had kind of... In my head, I had ruled out that we'd ever get to go to a buffet again. Um, And then yesterday, we were looking for somewhere to go. And uh, my partner, she had seen on, on TikTok that there was this, like, buffet up in Dundrum. Uh, in Dublin. And I was like, oh my God, you know, this is one of the last things I used to do before COVID that I haven't done since COVID. Um, so let's, let's fucking do it. And, and brother, it was immense. Really? <laughs> it was, it was stupendous. Firstly, it was like 20 quid, which okay. was great. That, that. A great price point for how much was there. um, And then three quid extra to get bottomless soft drinks always a fucking nice touch that's, yeah, for that, me that's absolutely nothing yeah yeah right so they had your, your kind of there's like your standards um, the things you'd expect like um, you know there's curries and there, there's chicken balls and there's salt and chilli chicken there's chips noodles couple of kinds of rice things like that but then you get into now according to TikTok usually they have pizza there wasn't pizza there on Sunday okay they had uh, spaghetti bolognese. They had um, kind of like some stuff that, you know, is vaguely kind of uh, Chinese food, but you wouldn't get at your average buffet. So I had black pepper beef, which was, mm-hmm. okay, and it was like it, it, it was proper, like decent beef. Like it wasn't that chewy kind of yeah, grisly yeah, yeah, yeah. stewing yeah. beef. Uh, it was awesome. They had like uh, salt and chili squid, if that is your kind oh, of thing. Oh, nice. They had a a whole fresh sushi counter. So there was like pre-stacked sushi. There was like, you know, a whole row that was vegetarian and then the rest of the stuff that had meat in it. But then behind you, there was a sushi chef who was ready to put together fresh sushi rolls for you.
0: Oh, okay. There
1: was, I think, three or four different kinds of noodles. There was a teppanyaki counter where you could build your own bowl and they would chop and fry it in front of you. There was an entire side of the room that was desserts. There was two kinds of chocolate fountain. There was a milk chocolate fountain and a white chocolate fountain with your choice of big marshmallows, small marshmallows, or churros to dip in the fountain. You sound like a man who went to both fountains. I absolutely did. <laughs> I'm for, I I had to report back to the podcast, oh, well, my friend. Absolutely. Um, a selection of, uh, of cakes, uh, an ice cream bar, like, you know, there's, like, you open the fridge and there's, like, eight different kinds of ice creams. That's all included. Uh, the only thing that was, like, if you want this, it's extra is either some of the premium fruit juices or the slushy machine was, like, you have to pay a couple of quid extra and get a special cup for it. Um. So I had an absolute time. Do you know what the weirdest thing, and, like, it's not a weird food item, but it's not something I would have ever expected at a, like, a global cuisine buffet was. Okay, go for it. Hash browns. Would never have expected it at like a place like this. Like it's literally like <laughs> you're looking at us it, like chips, rice, noodles, boom, hash browns. <laughs> I was like,
0: okay. What did you as
1: like a chip substitute? Uh no, but I'll tell you what, I tried one because I was like, what the fuck? Like this is super weird. And they were delicious. Oh, there was also uh dim sum as oh, well nice. um there was like uh, the one thing we we had seen on one of the tiktoks that we were disappointed wasn't there there was like bao buns uh they didn't have any that day but i imagine things changed slightly based on stock and mm-hmm. season and things like that but it was an immense eating experience uh i am proud to say for my like coming out of retirement the the buffet muscles aren't stretched powered down at uh, two fairly packed savoury plates followed by two reasonably packed dessert plates (laughs) Uh, high point of the savoury I'd have to say the black pepper beef so good I actually went up and got a little bit more the second time as well Um, high point of the desserts I would have to say like so the milk chocolate was the better of the two fountains can categorically say that Um, but I will also say there was a three milk cheesecake don't know what that means It was nice. (laughs) 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 They also had like, I'm going to send you pictures of this. Oh, you need to. Because there was there was like uh, a selection of donuts, like little donut balls. And there was like um, red berry filled, custard filled and caramel filled. At the very end, opposite where the ice cream is, there was like all you can eat toppings. So there's like uh, white chocolate buttons, milk chocolate buttons, jelly babies, jelly beans and sprinkles. Um, It was fucking insane It was insane Like we were there for over an hour I doubt I tried Even half of what they had Before I nearly needed to go to the hospital <laughs> uh, <laughs> So good When we got home I just had to go to bed <laughs> It was the middle of the day <laughs> Emma wasn't sitting there Like Marge Simpson In the In the uh, Fish restaurant With Homer No, uh, very famously, actually, she, uh, the the first time we ever went to a buffet together, it was on our first trip, we went to Belfast, and we saw, because they don't have pizza huts here in the Republic of Ireland anymore, but they do have them up in the north still, Mm -hmm. so we're like, I haven't been to a pizza buffet, a pizza pizza buffet since I was 10. We gotta go. So we went, and I immediately, because now it was my first time as an adult, I'd never even, I think, like, these counters are invisible to you when you're a kid, I went up to the salad bar first. And I was getting like, oh, they had like fresh pipe and hot breadsticks and they had this and that. And I was piling up a couple of bits like that. And Emma decided to take the opportunity to talk smack to me and say, oh, sorry, I didn't realize this was a little lady's tea party. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, she can, she can bring her A-game to the buffet, to be fair. <laughs> this is one of the many reasons I'm with her. I, I, um, I have to say, I really miss the pizza Hope Buffet. Oh, man, it was the best was it like, no wonder they went out of business, because it was, like, eight or ten quid, and it's, like, unlimited drinks and fill your boots on pizza until, oh yeah, like, like for, like, two hours. In
0: my first job, like, um, we, a friend of mine, his brother worked in pizza, yeah. so we would literally say, like, we'd send him a text at, like, half eleven, say, right, we'll be over at one o'clock,
1: have this pizza mm-hmm. out, this pizza out, this pizza.
0: They'd be there, no problem. It was great.
1: Uh... A Pizza Hut hookup. That's that's one of the... Like, I never had a Pizza Hut hookup. I had, like, hookups in, in ExtraVision for, like, you know, nod, nod, wink, wink, free game and, and movie rentals. Mm. um, And I had, like, a few cinema contacts. But, yeah, never a Pizza Hut one. That's a shame. I did have a KFC contact once in my, one of my first jobs. I worked in a bookshop in a shopping center. And a guy who worked in KFC was basically like he would say to us, if you throw me like a couple of free newspapers when I'm working, I will throw you like twice as much chicken <laughs> with your order if you come up at lunch. And that was that was great. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let's move on because t- this is dangerously uh, close to just becoming a <laughs> snack podcast. I'm not against it.
0: Days of snacks. It, it You know, makes itself.
1: We have um, we have to announce what our TRL show is going to be, buddy. Oh, we do.
0: I forgot about uh, this.
1: On the go home show for Uncensored Ninety Nine, we said that uh, we were spinning the wheel uh, to determine what the next uh, Thunder Request Live episode is is going to be, and uh, we said on the show before. That show we would reveal what it is if people want to uh, watch along beforehand, or if they want to find themselves uh, somewhere they can watch this thing in time for us to do our our our, our watch along. Um, would you like to uh, tell us, Lee, what uh, Doctor Annoyed Grunt on Twitter selected as he won the draw?
0: Yes, so I am personally very excited for this one. Yeah, this is going to be our first trip to the land of the extreme because we will be watching ECW Living Dangerously 1999.
1: Yeah, and keen listeners will know that we mentioned that the one of the other shows in the wheel is linked to this show. Uh, it's later in the timeline, but in the same company. So, uh, yes, we are going to... The next two TRLs and are going to be ECW. ECW pay-per-views, yes. In, both in 1999, I believe. They are, yes. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, that's that. But you may have seen on Twitter that we said this show was going to have a Tony Khan-sized announcement. And it's not the Forbidden Doorly. You know, really. Although, if, if we want to get... If anyone wants to vote us through that door, we will gladly go. Our announcement is... And we're both on tenterhooks. It's something we've been talking <laughs> about for a while. And we didn't know how we were going to announce it or when we were going to announce it. But, you know, we, we felt it in our waters. Now is maybe the time to, to shit or get off the pot. So, from June 1st, Days of Thunder will have... A Patreon. Mmm, says you, listener at home. Now, before anybody panics, I want to remind you of what I have said many times before. Days of Thunder and its constituent shows that are currently in the stream always will be free. So, you will never have to pay for Days of Thunder. You will never have to pay for Days of Thunder doing pay-per-views. You will never have to pay for cast and the furious although i think cast and the furious will become a free post on our patreon is my plan for it rather than cluttering up the voices of wrestling feed Mm -hmm. this is this is literally a staff chat on the air because that was just an idea (laughs) i had about an hour ago and forgot to tell you that's my idea at the moment lee hope you like it because i've said it now (laughs) um so all the shows you're currently getting and the timeline never going to make pay for that TRL. Also, the remain the remainder of season one is all going to be, as we announced previously, on the free stream. Now, I suppose we go to the the whys and the whats. So, why are we doing it, and what are you getting for your, your hard earned bucks? Um, so the why, really, Lee, is that you know we've been doing this show for a few years now, and we have yet to have a year where the podcast is in the black because we've never actually. Looked for any, Mm -hmm. like, financial recompense for ourselves... Um, not that we want to be like living in a solid gold house with a rocket car but you know we do invest quite a bit of uh, money and time into the podcast uh, hopefully sounding good and even more hopefully being good uh, in terms of like my recording setup cost quite a bit of money I got it for this show I got a a zoom recorder for when we can go and record with other people in the room with us Ha! thank (laughs) you for that one COVID (laughs) we got to do that once with Johnny and then the world ended Uh, But that was an idea, that was the original idea for Pick Your Poison Was we would go around to people uh, and chat to them You know, on our weekends away that we were always going on at the time Fuck's sake Um, So yeah, basically we've been kind of And even just now, like since pandemic times And since like Skype really just...
0: Should and like properly shit the bed yeah
1: yeah um since we moved over to zoom so we're we're paying for a proper zoom account and obviously that's a monthly fee so that's coming out of our pockets at the moment so all we really want is to break even you know what i mean we we just want um just a few dollars uh to be able to we have no like grand ambitions here we won't Say no to your fucking money. Uh, (laughs) But the idea is, it would be really nice if we could do this thing without it costing us money. And if even we could like squirrel away a little bit to say when the time comes to upgrade any of our recording equipment, like if Lee's laptop, as it was threatening to do for a while. Uh, caught fire one week that we would have a little bit of money towards a new one or a microphone if one of ours breaks or something yeah. like that that we'd have a little bit of reserve um, and that also I guess we can um, <laughs> if there's some money coming in we can justify to our better halves why we spent so, <laughs> so much time on this shit yeah because cause trust me like you just said we put time
0: and effort into the show so we decided to put more time and effort into
1: more shows <laughs> yeah So uh, that's the thing. So now we get to the what. You know, the why is fairly basic. It's, you know, why a lot of shows do this kind of thing. The what, we thought long and hard about what can we reliably commit to? Because we had all sorts, I'd say, nearly a dozen different ideas Mm -hmm. uh, for what we wanted to do. But we wanted to to build a sustainable model whereby we can pretty well, you know, with the exception of illness or anything like that, that we can consistently provide you with the content we're telling you we will. So we won't promise you the world, we'll promise you a very realistically achievable goal for us. So we will have three tiers on the Patreon. The first <laughs> the first tier I have called the Enus Alert tier, um, and that's just a $1 tier. Where you can you can chip in a couple of bucks or one euro tier, should I say. For us fill the Euros. Um it's a one euro tier where it's basically just, hey guys, love the show. Don't necessarily need or I'm not necessarily able to afford some extra content this month. Here's a here here's, here's a, a dollar. Yeah. yeah, here's a euro, here's a couple of bucks. Uh Just to throw you away, because I appreciate the show. We appreciate you. Uh, At that tier, you're not getting any extra content per se, but what we will post is a couple of days after each and every regular Days of Thunder, we're going to post our show notes uh, as $1 tier posts. Um, That is something that that people are into, and if you want to see the writings of two madmen trying to stave off a mental breakdown as they watch World Championship Wrestling boy, are those going to be the show notes for you. Again, my whole segue in my head about Bob Wire is in <laughs> is in last week's show notes, and I won't remove any of that. As I was saying to Lee before we start recording, the only thing I'll change is any egregious spelling errors, which will completely discredit me with the listeners.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, the middle tier, this is this is the juicy one, Lee. Are you ready for this? And it, it's suitably juicy because it is called the Team Beefy Da tier. That, so that that one's for a long time listeners. Yeah, hundred percent premium beef at this level, uh, and this is your extra content. This is the ideas we have had uh, for new shows that we can tempt you with. Um, this is going to be a little bit higher than the entry level tier. Again, these kind of the this tier and the last tier. We will announce the final prices closer to our launch date on June first. The Team Beefy Da tier uh, is extra podcasts, is the main thing you're getting. You're also going to get um, access to my Match of the Year tracking sheet, uh, which I try my very best to keep up on. Uh, and I'm going to see, I'm going to mess around because I also would like, uh, maybe I'll do a, like a, a post uh, looking for comments, but I also always appreciate recommendations for my, my Match of the Year tracker because my you know, my wrestling consumption can sometimes get very narrow mm-hmm. and stale and I, I like to watch different things, expose myself to different styles, different promotions and things like that. So maybe I will try and put in a facility there to to recommend stuff to me. But my match of the year spreadsheet is the dullest thing on this uh on this list. Uh Lee, are you ready? We're gonna go through the the four ideas that we are um willing to unveil at this point in proceedings.
0: Yeah, so I think we'll start with the one that we are absolutely committed to. This is the bonus show you are going to get every month until we run out of shows
1: on this category. I I should say, structurally, in terms of, um, so everyone knows, uh, a regular Days of Thunder comes out every two weeks. We are going to up the commitment of monthly podcasts on the Patreon to the point where, on most months, you should get at least one podcast a week. You know, you'll get uh, on Days of Thunder weeks, Days of Thunder will be the podcast that gets posted. That's on your VOW feed. That's on the Days of Thunder feed. But the alternate weeks where we would have weeks off from the regular timeline is when you will get an extra show if you're a patron. Um, So, yes, uh, one of those will be kind of this first show that Lee's going to talk about. And then the other empty slot in between shows is going to be a kind of. Uh, a rotating chair of different ideas we've had so that it's always staying fresh we have one series that's consistently going and another one that we're kind of doing semi-regularly so uh, walk us through because this was your idea yes the so the, the first show that
0: we're going to consistently have each and every month will be what we are calling Rehash of the Champions myself and Dave will studiously go back and watch every Clash of the Champions all the way from the very beginning, Clash of Champions won right through till the end. Which mm-hmm. I believe I think the last one was in nineteen ninety seven, I want to say, August ninety seven yeah. maybe. Um but yeah, so that that's gonna be the one that every month for the next I can't even remember how many there is. <laughs> Until we run out. And, Until yeah. we run out. Until uh, we run out.
1: Yeah. Uh we will be doing rehash of the champions. Um and it's worth saying that the rehash of the champions series will be in the the typical Days of Thunder style yes. of review. It's not uh TRL is kind of its own thing of doing the the live watch-alongs, and maybe there'll be mini-series in the future where a watch-along is a better idea than a review, but this series will be a classic DOT style show. Mm-hmm.
0: Um the next one that we are going to do semi regularly, I would imagine, mm-hmm. is we are going to do an NXT rewatch. We are going to go back to the very first. What was the first show
1: on the network called TakeOver? It was, uh, Arrival. Arrival, was Arrival. Arrival.
0: That was the first one. Yeah. So we are going to go back and watch all of the TakeOver, or, well, all the NXT specials
1: but you know the the NXT special thing you know it, again it's been done a couple of times so it's why it's a semi regular yeah. series for us um it was a big part i think for a lot of people of our generation uh of that kind of mid 2010s boom
0: it got it got a lot of people through some kind of really bad wrestling on the main roster yeah and it was a reason to stay in touch with kind of mainstream american wrestling
1: Mm-hmm. so we'll be watching all the the NXT specials uh, on that uh, then I want to proudly announce the next one Lee and that is that Days of Thunder at the movies is going to become a regular program uh, well a semi-regular program um, so we have lots of ideas for this one uh, I I suppose at first we'll try and at least tangentially relate it to wrestling
0: I, I want to make one point
1: okay There will be one Days of Thunder at the movies on
0: the main timeline.
1: Yes. Ready to Rumble will 100% be on the main timeline. Ready to Rumble will be on the main timeline for free. Um, What else will be on it for free? Our Ketoween, our yearly tradition that we started last year, will always stay free on the timeline. Um, another limited series of ours will always stay free on the timeline. That's our WWA shows with uh, Garrett and Liam, um, which they still haven't agreed to, by the way. But they absolutely will. No, no, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm just taking it as fate complete that they're locked in with us until we run out of Um Yeah, I think I think that's. I think
0: that 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 was the only ones that yeah. Absolutely, yeah. will stay on, so, the, on
1: the... We have a bunch of like I, I think everybody in their head can think of like a bunch of movies that either are about wrestling, are related to wrestling, or wrestlers. wrestlers are in. Um, you know, like the the, the all time horrible classics like Abraxas and and shit like that. Uh, I very much want to watch The Punisher with you. Yes, uh, with Kevin Nash in it. Um, the, the really bad uh, Longest Yard. Yeah, it's gonna, and it's gonna like vacillate wildly in quality of movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking forward to, because anytime we talk about movies on this show, I have a really fun time. And they're kind of like a laid back change of pace for us. Um, then an, another kind of slot that we rotated in, we're kind of leaving a space on the calendar that sometimes will do like one off or limited series things that. I really don't think justify doing it monthly or no. bi-monthly or anything like that. We might do a couple a year uh, of this or that. And a couple of ideas we had for that kind of slot. Um, fantasy drafts are a thing that you, you would like to do. You know, we'd, we'd invite friends of ours on yeah. to do like a fantasy draft of, a uh, you know, maybe say... Certain topics. Pulling it out of my head. Yeah, pulling it out of my head. Like we don't have any solid ideas yet, but say like the Thunder 99 roster yeah. we could do a fantasy draft of or, or something like that. Um, another limited series could be listener polls hey we've had an idea for three different shows that don't really fit anywhere here's a poll patrons tell us which one is best um we've thought about doing the very very occasional if uh, our computers don't blow up trying to manage it doing like a tier list stream that'd be kind of like just it's really just a hangout stream idea for for anybody who's subscribed to the patreon uh, that you can just come on chat with us chill with us in the chat uh, as we come up with some sort of really silly tier list it could be like you know hulk hogan wardrobe choices 96 <laughs> through 2001 <laughs> tier list anything like that and then obviously uh, we're also open to listener ideas as well for uh series and, and things like yes that. we
0: absolutely want your good ideas that we can monetize
1: yeah, we don't just... <laughs> but it's more that I don't want to provide a service that people don't want. Exactly. If there's something that they think, oh, I'd love to hear Dave and Lee do this. Like, if you want, uh, like, you know, five-minute snack talk updates every, <laughs> like, every <laughs> month or two, fuck it. Like, we'll do it if people want it, you know. um, Again, we'll be co-opted for anybody. If you're willing to pay for it, fuck it. Like, oh, we will do <laughs> anything anything yeah. you ask no I want to say almost anything because I'm I'm not letting that be a legally binding verbal contract <laughs> you can do whatever you like okay, over there we Paul. will
0: allegedly do anything yeah <laughs> within reason
1: yeah. Um. so very quickly because I realise this is going on quite a while Um. the final tier will be the TRL tier I'd say people have probably figured that out that will be the slightly pricier tier uh, only very slightly though Um. and that will be limited to six slots per year yeah Um, because we, on top of all that other stuff we're already saying we're going to commit to on a regular to semi-regular basis, we think from the first series of doing TRLs that we can probably commit to doing one every two months of those on top of all Mm -hmm. the stuff we're saying we're going to do on Patreon. So season one of TRL will finish on the free feed as planned, but then season two's ones will be on the, the Patreon feed. Um, Especially as like things get weirder Because everybody There are some bad wrestling shows On the list And there are some good wrestling shows But nobody has gone with a completely Mental pick yet That is absolutely A complete tonal shift from what we do So I kind of I want to give the, the pa- Patreon feed Is where the weird shit's going to happen So I
0: think you say that as somebody who has never seen The show that Miss Erin Quinn Selected yes yes <laughs>
1: that is going to
0: be sorry Aaron will obviously be our last TRL on the main timeline and for season. let season me tell one, you yeah. they have selected a
1: doozy of a show fucking hell yeah every time I'm reminded of it I'm just like <laughs> yeah we're gonna have to do that aren't we but anyway, um, look, we're not going to... Every time we talk about Patreon, we're not going to beat you over the yeah. head like we just did there. This is kind of just our launch announcement. Uh, stay tuned to, like I said, it will be June 1st that it will get announced. Uh, we'll drop the, the URL on the day. Yeah. We'll drop some kind of like some sneak previews, we, maybe some little clips. We should say that
0: we could obviously open the Patreon as of right now. Yeah. But we don't want people to get charged for like half a month or... to to, you know somebody to log in on the 31st of may and um get Get charged get double charged then no it it will yeah the patreon will go live on june the
1: 1st they will set it to go live um june 1st LA isn't it la time it's roughly the same time of day where the podcast would get posted on June 1st. So, it's kind of like morning time West Coast on the states, yeah. but it's like lunchtime early afternoon in Europe. Um I think is the what we've discovered is the best time for everyone. So, yeah, we'll have some uh, some previews, some some links and stuff like that um and we hope you'll join us there. Mm-hmm. If not that's absolutely fine. Don't worry yourselves. We really just appreciate you listening in and being along with us for this journey. We're going to keep going until the wheels fall off regardless, but we would really appreciate it uh, if you decided to become a patron, patron for all that extra content. And, and if you so, enjoy
0: the wheels falling off, we can guarantee it absolutely will happen on Patreon.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. 100%. If you think we 100%. go on some tangents on this show. Oh. Holy shit. Um, we might actually book out uh, a Deathmatch E-Fed. <laughs> uh, that'd, be, that'd be a hell of an idea after the last show. <laughs> uh, anyway, shall we do it, buddy? Let, let's get into Uncensored 99. This episode of Days of Thunder is brought to you by the fine people at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Get farm fresh seasonal produce and easy to make recipes delivered right to your door every week. It's all about convenience with HelloFresh. Not only do the ingredients come pre-portioned so you're not overbuying or wasting food, but it's easier than ever to get filling meals on the table in a snap with options like family friendly or quick and easy recipes. To avail of the offer that HelloFresh have made to you, the Days of Thunder listener, please go to HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-16 and use the code V-O-W-16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash V-O-W-16. Use promo code V-O-W-16. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Now back to the lads. Okay, this is Uncensored 99 from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, 14th of March, 1999. And, like, do you know uh, something that for some reason I could not get out of my head at the start of this show is that it is the, uh, I believe, the same building in which, just about a year later, old Bugger Red himself, The Undertaker, returned at Judgment Day. It was in Louisville. Was it? Yeah, because do you remember? Uh, I think in the show opener, Team Eck did the, the jug band five second they pose did, for that's Louisville.
0: right, Yes.
1: Yeah. Jeez, so, of all
0: the things to come up in your mind.
1: I, I, I When I was, so what age would I have been? Like 10, 11 ish, when Judgment Day 2000 happened. I watched that VHS when I got it so many times over. I was, 10-year-old so, me was so into Booger Red Undertaker. I have no, I've no reasonable defense against it. And, to, I and think, to
0: this day, Dave is the biggest Kid Rock fan in Ireland. Oh, 100%. Uh, bar with the
1: bar and all that. Okay. Um, <laughs> hang on, I, hang I, on. I, I, I'm
0: going to jump in and say, I have my son listening to that about two years ago. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! And let me say, my wife was not impressed the first time she was in the car in that
1: <laughs> She filed for custody. <laughs> uh, uh, um, yeah, I think, like, for most of 2000, I was super into The Undertaker, even though he was shit. Um, and I think I finally, like, even though... Um, I I don't know why I completely fell off him, but Survivor Series 2000 with the, the snakeskin snake skin trousers is like the last time I've ever been like, this guy is cool. When he got those snakeskin trousers, I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, <laughs> this is Uncensored 99. And I hope, Lee, that you like, Moody cage construction videos Cause they're back With a fucking Vengeance On Uncensored What was with All the video packages On this show People have already Bought the pay per view You don't have to show The same video packages again Dude Like I am totally I am On the I am totally on board With Play the hype package Before the match mm-hmm. I think with the right video package and the right match that gets you and the people in the building at a fever pitch, waiting to see. Yeah, and it, it, a match. it also
0: gives a buffer between the match that just ended, and that I get that a hundred percent, understand yeah. that.
1: Yeah, but you are showing like none of this. Especially, I will get to it when the cage match happens. They are building this up like people are going to be shocked and awed by what they see. This cage is going to traumatise your fucking children. That's how scary it is. And it's not like that. Well, I mean, there's a a moment in the cage match that definitely would have traumatised children. (laughs) So... Tony calls this the most unpredictable, most dangerous, most mind-boggling pay-per-view of the year. And in some cases, that last one is particularly true. Uh, I do love his description of trying to put over the matches on the show by saying, tonight you will see many bizarre stipulations.
0: I love that fact that he called it the most mind-boggling pay-per-view of the year. He has no idea what's to come in
1: 1999. Oh, oh no. He fucking wishes. He fucking wishes uh, me and Gene reminds us that tonight All matches are unsanctioned In spite of there being many World Championship wrestling belts being defended On, on said unsanctioned show And WCW referees and officials Yeah um, And you know obviously plugs the hotline All that good shit uh, We then immediately get another Video package for Nash and Ray Which isn't happening for a while <laughs> Yep you really should like I am I am absolutely and like like I said I love video packages but when you start the show once you've done video package to open the show into the ma- pyro yeah. commentators match yeah. you have to start off with a match and it has to be a hot match and I am pleased to report that this opener for me anyway was a hot opener and this was the world cruiserweight title as Billy Kidman defended against a randomly debuting at, in WCW right now Mikey Whipwreck Mikey coming out without music
0: totally kills Bam Bam Bigelow's gimmick <laughs>
1: it wasn't like Mike because they've given didn't it didn't hack him out with no music the first week and then they gave him music straight away because yeah. there was already a guy with no music and now there's another guy with no music like are we supposed to believe Mikey just showed up backstage and like give me a title match Certainly, if you weren't familiar with Mikey Whipwreck and how he dresses himself, you would think he had just showed up and found, like, a couple of spare knee pads lying around because it's... For the uninitiated in WCW, he looks like shit in terms of, like, his his dress sense. It's very authentic to Mikey Whipwreck and if you're invested in that guy, it's pretty cool to see this is fucking Mikey Whipwreck. Yeah, it's
0: full-on Mikey Whipwreck in WCW. Fuck. Yeah. Like... He has knee pads over his boots because he, like, can he not afford kick pads? Evidently not. Or do do you think Mikey saw Ahmed Johnson in 1996 and said, Oh man, look at all those knee, elbow pads on his
1: knees. I need to do that. So at first I was worried for Mikey because again, people, there were some people who knew who he was. But, like, by and large, the crowd were kind of... Like, they were definitely into Kidman, obviously, at the start. But they didn't know what to make of Mikey Whipwreck. And also, you had Heenan on commentary, who thought the funniest thing in the world was not being able to say his name right. Mm. So you had him doing things like calling him Shipwreck. And, like, you know... Uh, you know, is he going to get the win here? Is he going to be on Gilligan's Island? Uh, shit like that. Uh, Mikey Whipwreck, only 25 years old at the time. No, he's not. The, the road will own you. Jesus Christ! I would have sent me torties. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I really enjoyed this match. I don't, Yeah, it was really good. This got it. Got it's the only match that like got uh, near notebook levels uh, from the observer. This was three and a half stars. It was the only one to rank inner close to that on the show by the looks of it well I mean D- D- um, Dave is obviously wrong <laughs> um, I thought Whipwreck put in a great showing here Um, yeah I mean you, you talk about someone
0: coming in and getting instant credibility for like going toe to toe with a guy who's been like for as much as we you know say wcw haven't elevated somebody like in the past what
1: eight months they've really done a great job elevating billy kidman yeah kidman has been against guys where you've seen him like out work out wrestle out flip dudes mm-hmm. and the early minute or two immediately establishes mikey's credibility because kidman is trying all that shit and mikey is keeping pace with exactly him. yeah And throwing in some of his own stuff. And he hits a couple of cool moves in here. Like, he does this, uh, like, springboard knee to Kidman's face while he's, like, dangling on the ropes. And, like, it sends both of them going arse over Mm Tikal to the floor. That looked cool as shit. And what I really appreciated from Mikey's work here, and obviously, you know, Kidman, a great dance partner and a really good sympathetic baby face. Whipwreck, going from most of the crowd not knowing who he was, immediately established as a heel in this I'm getting over as a heel and and instantly
0: because of that every time Kidman is on offense the crowd are up and they're loud and they're into this
1: yeah it it It's great because, you know, when there's like a hot baby face in there with a heel that no one cares about, you can tell the difference between that and when people do invest in the heel. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, we've talked about the Chavo thing before, where like the baby face is on offense and everybody's hot. And as soon as, you know, Chavo, in the example I've suggested, uh, goes on offense, the crowd completely dies. Well, in this case, you had, yes, the crowd was absolutely hot for Kidman when he was doing this shit. But there were moments of genuine like gasps and people thinking that Kidman was in legitimate danger within a few minutes of this mm-hmm. match. You know, he does like a, a variation on a, an Indian death lock where he's pulling Kidman's hair instead of like locking um, under the chin. chin yeah. And it looks really good. And, and that got a, that got um, a shriek from the crowd. He also did a, like a slingshot leg drop for a near fall and people bought yes. it. Because I suppose that's that's one of the benefits that somebody that establishes himself as a heel without people having seen them before is no one knows what his finishes. You know, there's uh, that small element of the crowd that yeah,
0: do. A- anything realistically could be the finisher,
1: especially yes. because
0: they're cruiserweights as well. Yeah, which is something we've seen previously, like like Kidman or Um Hoovy like has two finishes. Ray can kind of hit a hork and rana from anywhere, stuff like that. So like yeah. Mm. Mikey coming in and just getting a flash pin on Kidman yeah. to win the belt wouldn't be out of question.
1: No, absolutely not. Um, and yeah, so like it's back and forth, and the crowd is really, really hot for it. And uh big dive to the outside from Kidman, like, and he jumps quite far on this uh, on this springboard, mm-hmm. and he works that he's hurt his knee. Um, they get back up to the apron, and I'm I, I gonna try to describe this that like he. Drapes Kidman over the middle rope with the top half of his body kind of leaning into the ring and then slingshots over with a leg drop looked, it looked really fucking good. disgusting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, looked disgusting in the best way. Um Kidman makes a comeback. Um there's a shooting star press attempt. Um and I think the most was this a shoot shove? I've seen in a long time where you know like somebody goes up and they do the dramatically fall onto the ropes and that crotches mm-hmm. them like <laughs> Mikey gets up and fucking yeets Kidman <laughs> off the top rope and he splats on the fence outside it looked great yeah. it, again it's just things like that like really added to the match I thought like,
0: like yeah. you say it's the first time you've looked at it and went Jesus that actually could have been a legit shove
1: yeah, um, they they go over the fence then and they kind of do a couple of spots in the crowd. I was worried that they were going to spend a long time up in the crowd as a match does later mm. on. But thankfully, they they didn't because, you know, me and crowd brawling. So they get back into the ring. Uh, there's a moment that I completely bought that this was start the start of Kidman's comeback, where he runs at uh, Whipwreck full steam ahead, and I didn't even realize the camera positioning was fantastic for this because then Whipwreck immediately does a drop toe oh, hold, it's so good. Camera pans yeah. down to just as <laughs> just as his mush hits yeah, the it's steps, so good. Yeah, really good bit of camera work there. Um, so he rolls him back in for a two count. Um, something else I got to say. So like um, we talked about Whip Wreck's gear, but like his his makeup physically, like he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not the buffest guy in the world, the fastest guy in the world. Like he's his whole thing in WCW is like he's just a guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's that's where the endearing babyface thing came from. It's like he's just a normal dude who won't fucking give up no matter how much he gets the shit beat out of him. Um, so with that said, it was really interesting for me to see him as the like the bully in this match. Mm. Because that's what he's doing. In the moments where he's on top, he's just kind of like, you know, slapping Kidman around. And again, he's putting on all these holds where he's doing a little bit of the hair pulling. Just a little bit of heel work, but not like, you know, playing to the cheap, she- cheap seats it, heel level. It's
0: not something that he could have possibly done in ECW. So it is yeah. quite quite startling to see him come into WCW and instantly be that guy.
1: Yeah. Like, I'm not saying like, obviously the, the booking of Mikey Whipwreck was something that people still talk about to this day in ECW. Uh, so I'm not necessarily saying, you know, he should have come in and they should have booked him exactly like that all over again in front of a bigger audience. Um, but often, sometimes when you give someone a complete departure mm-hmm. in their first match somewhere else, they it's it's a real sink or swim yeah. thing, and I I think you did really well here. Yeah,
0: I, absolutely. I, like we said, all throughout this match, he was right there with Kidman, and mm. because he was so good at what he was doing, the fans were were there for Kidman like throughout the whole match. Um, yeah, I think it's just after they get back into the ring, Mikey does like this kind of snap swinging net breaker. Yeah. And it's at this point in the match that, that Heenan, to his credit, starts putting over Mikey.
1: Yeah. Uh, by about like halfway to two thirds of the way through the match, like he's doing things where he's like, I really like mm. this guy. You know, even I, I think slightly earlier when um when he takes that big uh bump off the kidman dive, even Heenan's like, God, this guy, like, he keeps coming. Yeah You know what I mean? Like he he proper respect it so. There's two mo. There's two matches on this show where Heenan starts off not interested, and he gets turned around completely by the end of it. And we'll talk about the other one later. It's, on. it's almost um, like
0: good wrestling appeals to, you know, veterans yeah, in the or, business.
1: Yeah, or like just you can tell how much. Uh, You know, everybody knows that by the end, Tony and Brain are completely checked out on the company, but you can tell even at this stage how refreshing it is for the commentary team to have something different, Mm -hmm. someone different, something to talk about that isn't like the same, oh, what's Hogan doing this week, you know, um... So belly to back off the top where I thought Kidman spiked himself for a second. Oh, yeah. It was a great angle and sold incredibly well. And again, that's not something you see very often because Kidman does the um,
0: the kind of inside out bump. He doesn't actually fall with Mikey. He kind of yeah. does the, you know the, the the kind of inside out German bump where you, you pancakes on his front. Um a really good movie you don't see that very often. Um I will say I thought that all these kind of near falls for Mikey cuz he has a good three or four like believable near um near falls on Kidman. Again, just does a really good job putting over Kidman's character of the resilient baby face who just won't give up, yeah. never stops fighting. Yeah. And I love the finish because mm. what's the thing everyone says, it's a meme at this stage. You don't powerbomb Kidman. Yeah. And
1: that plays into the finish. I I think that you know, we kind of clowned on when we were doing the Predict the Matches game at the end. Like, Mikey fucking Whipwreck showing up out of nowhere mm-hmm. unadvertised at this pay-per-view. But you know what? I'll throw my hands up. They nailed yep. it for this. Like, it was a, a perfect matchup of these two guys. Just just like you said there, like, it played into both the characters they want to get over here. Uh, and we see Whipwreck a little bit later on where you can tell the idea they they have with him. But anyway... um. Power arm reversal, as you said, uh, shooting star press and a win. Excellent little opener. Mm. This is, you know, we, I think, I feel like monthly at this stage, we talk about the art of the opener. And th- this is what it. I yeah, want. Yeah,
0: they really nailed yeah. it on this one. Um, yeah. And, you know, the Cruiserweight title throughout this run by Kidman, ever since he's got it, has really felt like important on every show it's been on. Hmm.
1: So, we go from the sublime to the ridiculous. Next, a double barreled. Uh, sorry, uh, one after the other. Segments of shite. Uh, as we get two video packages. One is a Vincent and Stevie package. Vince's promo, awful. Not going to spend any time on it. It was awful, trust me. Uh, but I did like Stevie Ray, who is just coming off as Vince is very annoying. And I want to hit him. <laughs> I mean we, we, I we can that. all relate to that. I feel that deep in my bones. Um then more dramatic cage construction. <laughs> before we settle into the Matt Classic, the Harlem street fight for control of NWO black and white, Vince versus Stevie Ray. Jesus. <sighs> is this worse than any Finley match we've had on the show I I will say this for the match it was short I the only thing I can say that maybe Finley has had a worse match that we watched is Finley's matches have definitely felt longer yes. mechanically definitely not as bad but in terms of how much of my life I feel went into them there's an argument to be had there.
0: And I will say, Finlay's matches have killed entire shows. This,
1: I don't yeah. think, killed the entire show. It nearly killed me. But yeah. Um, Vince comes out, and his graphic still says Vincent, because he is a chump. Um, As soon as this match begins, it goes straight out of the ring for some smoke and mirrors, crowd brawling bullshit, which I... I have to really fight my brain not to just pick up the phone and just start scrolling during these. I try very hard to pay complete attention to these pay-per-views. And... Uh, I, look, it's my job. Okay. It's my job. <laughs> I try. It has not always worked, but I do try. Um, Fuck. Um... Vince does take a pretty funny leaping bump over the rails after an uppercut, like a proper cartoon sell. Um, Like he just, you know, jumped on a stick of dynamite or something like that, or an acme spring or something. They go up into the crowd, and maybe the biggest laugh I had in this match, completely unintentional on their part uh, was they go to this cordoned off section where the hard cam is going to be so they don't mm-hmm. have like seats that people can sit in so they're all folded down flat on the ground and uh, Vince just keeps falling over they're trying to walk across and do a few crowd brawling spots on it, but Vince just keeps losing his footing over and over again. I don't know whether they had to cut that segment short because they just bail out the side after he falls, maybe for the third time. Yeah, Stevie
0: nearly goes on his fucking arse when he tries to throw a super sidekick at uh, Vince
1: and thinks the bear of Now, I will say, to this point in the match, it's just been boring, mm-hmm. but not like, what are these two men doing in the ring bad? Right, And in what's about to follow, I don't want you to think I'm blaming Stevie for any of this. But I was literally in the middle of typing going, this isn't a complete write-off when the following things happened. Stevie does a kind of like powerful whip into the turnbuckle. So they're back in the ring. Whips Vince as hard as he can. The spot is supposed to be near as I can tell that Vince is supposed to wait there and as Stevie comes charging in he throws an elbow back Mm -hmm. right but what actually happens is in between the time the whip spot is called and the whip part of the spot is delivered Vince completely forgets what he's supposed to be doing And he just starts wandering off. He, like, he goes into the turnbuckle and just starts, like... I wouldn't even call it staggering because that is ascribing too much credit to him. He just starts, like, walking backwards completely like a lost little boy in the supermarket. And then Stevie has already started his charge and you have this moment of panic as, like, do I just fucking stop dead and draw attention to this or do I try to make a a silk purse out of a sow's ear here? And unfortunately, it's one of those occasions where I think Stevie got caught in between two thoughts. And Stevie is not the kind of guy you want in this situation to try and adjust a match on the fly. But what he essentially does is he jogs lightly into Vince's elbow, which has not been raised up for the elbow strike. It's still down by his side. So like Stevie kind of jogs and then ducks his head into the elbow, takes a ridiculous bump. Like, just a proper, like, I've been hit in the face with a ball-peen hammer, flat-back bump, (laughs) right? And then Vince, seeing this, I can only describe it as he turns around and proceeds to leap face-first onto Stevie's shin.
0: Yeah, Vince can't even get the low-blow part to the spot, right? No.
1: Luckily... And uh, you'll never hear me say luckily in relation to Horace very often. But luckily the crowd doesn't have time to dwell on what the fuck just happened, because just as they're about to be like, what? Horace runs out. Completely distracts everybody. He throws the slapjack in the ring, shouts down the uh the camera, I don't care who knocks who out. I'm the leader. Please no one tell him what the stip of this match is then. Uh, Vince attempts to use the slapjack But he gets disarmed He like gets kicked And the, the slapjack goes Dramatically flying And then Stevie hits his slapjack finish And Lee do you want to describe What this slapjack looked like Shit is what it looked like
0: I mean Look Vince has no Right being in a wrestling ring At this point I mean, he was never a great wrestler. But at this point in nineteen ninety nine, with the the roster WCW had available to it, why in anybody's mind did they think putting Stevie Ray, who he was no no great worker himself,
1: no, he he can do enough to have a good match, but he you know he's he's he he is like in the the Jim Neidhart category. Yes. He is he can be a great heavy in a tag team. Mm-hmm. He knows enough to not embarrass himself in those situations, but like as a singles guy or as a ring general as he was forced to be in this, no good. yeah just it's one of the worst executed finishes I
0: think I've ever seen. It's just so bad, and I'm yeah. just thankful we'll never have to watch
1: it ever again. Yeah like for this slapjack. People usually like they throw their whole bodies oh, up, yeah. you know, in the air. They're they they are as close to vertical as they can reasonably get. Like it's like it's um, Cesaro's what's he called a f- neutralizer. Yeah, that's the one. Yes, Vince, however, barely like flicked his legs mm-hmm. like. He, if he had leaped this far off the ground, he would not have cleared, like, a chihuahua that was standing there. Oh my God. Yeah. It was bad. It was really, really bad. And Stevie, as he's leaving the ring, like, I genuinely couldn't tell. Was he trying to sell the horror thing, or was it just the face of a man who knows he had an absolute stinker? I absolutely sympathise, and like we said, he's not fucking Ric Flair. But I, I think it's a face
0: of a man who knows that this was just absolute
1: dirt and feels bad for the fans. It was so bad. It was so unbelievably unmitigatedly terrible. Um. Next, we have um Jericho in the internet location with Mark Madden. Uh, and Mark Madden is very much like um. Uh, To say he is Buried up Chris Jericho's hole uh, Would be an understatement here
0: Yeah Mark Madden doing all he can To get himself over In this segment More than The Wrestler
1: Yeah It was Like I'm dreading The days Of TV's best looking Big Big man This was very much, you know what, like it was the unironic and unfunny version of like, he may as well have sat there and be like, Mr. Jericho, your campaign seems to have the momentum of a runaway freight train. Why are you so popular? Yeah, this was very much
0: the uh, patter of a man who knows that Jericho is over on the internet and wants to appeal to that, that fan base himself.
1: Yep. Oh, lordy, lordy, lordy. Anyway. Moving swiftly on We have Kevin Nash With Lex Luger And Miss Elizabeth Versus Rey Mysterio Jr Holy hell This is like Night and day In terms of star power For the pop Kevin Nash gets here This is This is like Top tier I was I was stunned
0: This match was on So early in the card
1: Yeah I thought Mm semi-main This had written all over Because it's one of the best promoted angles on the whole like unless Nash was like I'm just hitting the showers and going well, see, to the well see that was the
0: point I was exactly on to make I think Nash had
1: fucking somewhere he wanted to be yeah yeah um, that said though right so Ray gets a big reaction too I think this is in the run of WCW we've had so far maybe it's a controversial one Lee if I'm speaking out of school let me know I think this is one of my favorite Kevin Nash performances in a match. I thought you were going to say Ray Mysterio, and I was really thinking about it. No, no. I mean, like, I, I don't. It's it's hard with Ray because Ray has had some fucking bangers <laughs> on, on our run, but like I, Nash. I mean, listen, I, I wouldn't rule out it being one of Ray's
0: better matches as well. Like Ray's had some really good matches. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, this I thought this was really really good.
1: Yeah, I like. I really liked. It. I think this was, like, the best of Nash as main event level scary monster. Mm-hmm. You know, like
0: it's it's the small things in this because Nash comes out and the commentators are very quick to point out is the difference in his demeanor between this month and last month. Um, like he's taking this seriously he's here to win the match he you know sees ray as a threat at this point and it's stuff like that and like he doesn't treat ray as a cruiserweight he treats ray as an equal and just fucking pummels him and there's some great looking moves in between it, it's a really really good match
1: yeah 100 percent. um let's walk us through it a little bit so nash is confident that he's going to get his win back here um, early on he is just like just absolutely hoofing mm-hmm. Ray around the ring huge Beal at one point uh, uh, he sends him into orbit
0: before that, I love the first move like yeah. Ray one thing they really established in the Nitro matches Ray used his pace over Nash to really get him off balance
1: mm-hmm.
0: so the first thing Ray does is run at Nash and he just eats a big deal. Yeah. it's so yeah. good
1: Really, really good. And it plays into the, you know, the big boot comes around again Mm -hmm. later in the match. Um, So then, you know, in the middle of all this, I'm being a big scary monster. This is going to be easy. I'm, you know, Nash is feeling his oats. He thinks he's going to make quick work of this. Ray reverses uh, one of his uh, Nash's like throw or slam attempts into a bulldog. While Nash is kind of stunned, he, lightning quick, guillotine leg drop, and then spinning wheel kicks him over the top rope. And Nash's reaction, yeah. as well as the crowd's, the crowd think they're about to see it happen but again. See- and Nash is selling it like he has got the fear of God But see, him.
0: it's that exact sequence that knocked him down on the Nitro. It was the wheelbarrow, the leg drop, and the spinning wheel kick in the middle of the ring that bumps Nash. So it it's like great callbacks as well as really yeah. good action.
1: Yeah, it's the rare bit of actual like this is storytelling that the, all yeah, the WWE yeah. fans will tell you in a Nash yeah, match. This, this like, is storytelling. Yeah, um, baseball slide fake out. Uh, I love this. He does the the fake out, and then he goes a second time, nails him. But then Ray's getting a bit too confident. He goes to the well again to like run and, and do some sort of kick, and Nash, in one swift movement, grabs him and fucks him yeah, into the railing so good, on the yeah. outside. Um, and this is where the momentum shifts yet again. Nash now gives gives off the persona of being like the lion playing with his food. I love this mm-hmm. shit. And this is where I wrote, this is the best Nash has looked on our run. He looks cool, he looks dominant, and he looks like a monster. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is a believable world champion level heel. You know? It's
0: amazing that he was world champion only a couple of months ago.
1: Yeah, I know. Like, if you said that, like, after this match, I'd be like, this guy should be the champion. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Whereas when it actually happened, I was like, oh, fuck's sake. Anyway, um, he goes for a tilt a whirl attempt. Ray lands on his feet and immediately punts Nash as hard as he can in the balls. Brilliant. Hits a drop kick to the head for a two count. Bronco Buster. And this is cool because it's like, again, Ray is doing the thing he did in the match where he got the flash pin. Is like, don't give this fucker a second. So drop kick to the head, Bronco Buster, which gets a huge reaction. Then he goes for the top rope moonsault and he gets yeah. caught, as he has before. But he wriggles out this time. Then as you think, okay, maybe there's going to be some hope here. Maybe Ray's going to score the win again. Nash is arguing with the ref and you can see Ray knows he's distracted. and He's going to try and take advantage of this. But as he goes to run the ropes, Luger trips Ray. He he gets annihilated by a big boot. (laughs) The straps come down. And one of the most sickening release jackknife powerbombs. He must... Ray's head at the apex of his fall must have been nearly eight feet in the air.
0: Yeah, because Nash doesn't, like, he doesn't let him fall. He kind of... It's not a border toss, but he definitely yeah. throws him a little bit. Yeah. But in saying that, I also think it was an incredibly safe bump. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It just looks cool yeah. as fuck. I thought, I, I yeah. just brilliant. He's definitely, he's definitely angling it so that Ray is completely mm-hmm. safe. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, uh, it looks devastating, but not in a way that oh, I hope Ray didn't get absolutely yeah. fucked by that. I'm sure it didn't feel nice, but it, I don't think it was dangerous by any. It wasn't the shoot Ganso no. bomb on the giant, like. Um, but that's, 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 I think that's gonna be the like the, the brass ring of sickening jackknife spots <laughs> <laughs> forever. Again, I just think it makes Nash looks like such
0: a fucking killer. That his finish like his his finisher just looks so devastating.
1: Yeah. I know it's it's like it is that and like this is something the outsiders have. And it's that the jackknife at the outsider edge are death. fucking yeah. cool as shit, instant death finishers that are heavily protected as mm-hmm. well, you know? It's yeah, it's unreal. Um yeah, um, and I, but here's what I love as well. Sorry, there's there's the story of what happened at the finish with Luger as well. So yes, Ray lost and Nash got his win back, but the story you can spin out of this is the cool big monster heel needed his buddy yeah. to help him beat the tiny. It boy. was
0: still three on one <laughs> against the crew. Was awake?
1: Or sorry, well, yeah, he, he still the cruise awake. But yeah, no, it was
0: just it really did a good job establishing Ray. Like he's had all these wins.
1: But even in defeat, he kind of gets over even more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we then get a video package for the the triangle uh, hardcore match later. Um, it's the same one we saw on Thunder. Uh, not really worth talking about. Before we go into our two-on-one handicap match, that is Sonny Ono and the Cat versus Jerry Flynn. Um, commentary informs us that on Nitro, Jerry Flynn had had his ponytail clipped by Sonny Ono. Uh, the cat is out in a poncho and a cowboy hat. It's a strong look and not the last poncho of this program. Um, Jerry Flynn starts the match very aggressive. Uh, barrage on the cat, but he gets jumped while attempting to goozle Sonny on the side. Um, a Cat, as we saw in the handicap match on Thunder, uh, Cat is trying to go, oh, look, it's your time to, to come in the ring and shit like that. And he's just like, nope, uh, I don't want to do that just yet. Mm-hmm. No, thank you um absolute snooze of a match crowd is dead mm. uh, i don't have a huge amount to say about no, this like th-
0: this match again has no place on pay-per-view at this point in wcw um jay flynn has never been over um ono is just i hate to say like he's not like he's not over like th- himself and the cat as appearing just isn't working i don't think Uh, Like, apart from giving us a few giggles with, you know, the boy and all Glacier stuff and that. But, like, the cat himself has shown way more charisma at this point. That he doesn't Mm -hmm. need Sonny
1: Ono anymore. So, it's just a total waste of peg It's a a real sore thumb thing. Yeah. You know? And we're not saying, like, you know, put the strap on the cat once you get get him off Sonny. But he has absolutely outgrown having Sonny Mm -hmm. as his manager. And look, this
0: just it. Like pay per views are only. I mean, I know it was every month at this point in WCW, but like it's still rarefied air. there. You need to be putting your best stuff on pay per view. This is barely an Nitro match.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. That that's for that's for sure. And it's just like. Like I, you know, I appreciate that for a month they tried to do something with Jerry Flynn, but like the crowd just aren't into it. Like they know this is just a, like a program to keep Cat busy. He's the one that's heading on to to bigger and better things. Um, so uh, Cat eventually whips Jerry hard into the corner, delivers a rebound feliner. Sonny feels confident enough to tag in and pin Jerry. Uh, But he kicks out and nearly gets Sonny before he tags the cat in. Uh, We go to the outside. Jerry Flynn reverses a corner whip and launches the cat into Sonny. So I thought this was actually, like, a pretty clever way to get Sonny into the match, even though he didn't want to. Uh, Is to, like, basically throw the cat as hard as he could at Sonny. They make contact. The ref calls it an official tag. And the same bump sends Sonny flying into the ring, whereupon Flynn just pins Sonny. But... So Kat, like if this was a shoot, you know, Kat's attempt at breaking up a pin is very realistic. But I think it was so close to the three that the crowd didn't pop for the finish because they thought it was, you know, 2.99. See,
0: I think they didn't pop for the finish because they didn't care.
1: Oh, well, there's that too. But people will still do a kind of polite cheer for a baby face winning um, usually. But this was kind of just, oh, is it over? Oh, the music's playing. It's over cool whatever um we then get a tag title package um hennig says the tag title is uh, the only uh, Yeah, the only belt that's touching barry Wyndham's back tonight is the tag team title uh tony very rather ominously says there's going to be a lot of smacking later so make that make it that what you will um Next up, it's our Falls Count Anywhere Triangle Match. Bam Bam Bigelow versus Hack versus Raven with Chastity. Uh, this was as we identified in the build up to the pay per view, your high ceiling, low floor match of the night candidate here and Lee, can I shock you? Go, I, I don't think you're going to shock me but go for it, go on. I loved this with all my I thought heart. This was great. It was, it was I, the right kind of ridiculous. This is exactly what I want. Yes. This is like, see, so you know, obviously the, the garbage match style becomes in vogue over the next couple of years. And, you know, a lot of them are just shite filler. Um, this was one that was just awful. Sorry, not... <laughs> usually, what I meant to say, usually they're awful. This was one that absolutely wasn't. This was... An absolute banger from pretty much start to finish. I yeah, think. they they literally just go to the ring
0: with the intention of just they fall over everything. They hit the most random moves. They they just take turns hitting each other as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. There's tables that don't break. There's yeah. ironing boards. There's fucking. There's fans. There's candlesticks fire thing like it's just so it's so totally different to anything we have seen in wcw up to this point
1: but you can also see where so many matches like fall into these like a lot of the things in this match become tropes mm-hmm. that get worn out so like um every man for himself in the first couple of seconds and then the camera cuts to the ramp and chastity is running down with like a giant laundry trolley full of garbage mm-hmm. like plunder So, like, obviously, by the time Raven is in the Fed, he's doing the bringing the shopping cart down to the ring full of plunder thing. And, you know, again, like I said, that's when, you know, by the end of his run is when everybody's really sick of hardcore matches. But here, it's a relative novelty. Um, Trash can lid concertos delivered by Raven before he takes a full can flying to the forehead. (laughs) Um, Hack then becomes intimate with an ironing board, we'll say. Um, falls back onto it and uh, it looks real bad Um, I think that was when we got the first ECW chant yes there are multiple ones in this match Um, this match like (sighs) look now that we know things and everything like that I am very much I don't like unprotected chair shots yeah I do not like them However, they've already happened. Like, over 20 years ago, there's no point in me getting in a flap about it. And, you know, I often think of our friend Benno, who says, look, these idiots have decided to fucking do this. So, like, you might as well enjoy it, because it's too late. You're not... Like, it's happened. You're not going to talk them out of it.
0: That is true, but I will say it was the one part of the match where I just went, oh, God, that's... Yeah. That's really gonna... There's, There's one... This one
1: particular, yeah, sorry, sorry, there's one
0: moment towards the close of the match, um, yes, where I was just like, That's really gonna leave a lasting impression after this match,
1: yeah, yeah, uh, quite literally, in, in that person's case that it happens to, um, so yeah, just a downright refusal for anyone in this match to put their hands up. Uh, Raven and Hack, uh, both start to uh, attempt to take out Bam Bam, um. They both like so Hack leaps on his back uh to go do a sleeper and then <laughs> Raven leaps on Hack's back and they both just go arse over tea kettle onto the floor over him, uh, which pops the the announcers. Um I I, I will say the announcers <laughs> were loving this. So this is like so Tanay and Tony were loving it early doors. And I think after maybe the second or third crazy spot, Heenan was just, he was baying for blood. He was just like, this is great. Mm -hmm. He was having a ball during this. Um, Hack hits a top rope Frankensteiner, (laughs) which got the crowd to pop, you know. Um, Then what looks like and would prove to be a very uncomfortable looking table comes out from underneath the ring, which encourages more ECW chance. Raven helps Bam Bam power bomb hack through the table which doesn't fucking budge one inch. Yeah, you wanna talk about
0: not budging. Like normally when a table doesn't break, you can see it start to crack.
1: This table this table had to be like an inch thick. Yeah. This this is a, a Japanese te- table on steroids. Like this was like solid to the point where what it took was like hack is just splayed out dead on the table and bam bam ever the pro is just like fuck this we're breaking this table gets back up on the top rope and does a splash and it takes the force of bam bam landing on hack on the table to break the table and it doesn't even explode it just like (laughs) you know it just snaps yeah fucking one hell of a table um, he breaks up, uh, so Raven tries to steal a pin after that, after he does the splash, he kind of rolls out of the way, Raven tries to steal a pin, which is funny, Um, Hack then gets the, the cane, and he's like, right, I'm taking the big fucker out, and just wails on Bam Bam's leg, with the, the Singapore cane, Um, Chastity then, attempts to get in the way, of Hack doing the same thing to Raven, but Raven tosses her to the side, and eats a cane shot to the face, uh, Chastity appears to be up to something, uh, outside the ring she's getting something as Bam Bam takes out two more tables <laughs> when he takes out two more tables maybe my line of the night from Tony very seriously goes there must have been buffet before the show <laughs> yeah that that was the one particular line I wrote down as well from the
0: commentary in this match just a very earnest thing for Tony to just go like oh but there
1: has to be an explanation for the tables under the ring yeah. he's, he's more miffed he wasn't invited <laughs> than anything else um Bam Bam gets whipped by the other two guys into a table and it just crumples on him. again doesn't fully um, break no no it's just like the sheer metric tonnage of Bam Bam folds it in but it doesn't like explode like you would expect then even flow on hack and what Chastity we had been preparing was masking tape bear in mind this is two months after Royal Rumble 99 so, he uses the electrical tape to handcuff Hack. You all probably know where this is going. And then hits him with four, count him four massive brain-scrambling chair shots to the head. It's the one moment I felt all, uncomfortable. All of which, I think, definitely at least three of which, Hack leaned into. Yeah, look. Look, it comes back to the point that you just made.
0: Even if you were there at the time, you weren't talking these dopes out of the Undis.
1: No. Particularly this one. I don't imagine. And look, they're both still here. Well, Sam Anna's still here. He
0: doesn't... What? What happened to Raven? No, well, I mean, he's the one He's the one doling
1: them out. He's not taking them on this occasion. <laughs> it just made it sound like you were like, oh, the other two are dead. And i was like, Bam Bam is. But <laughs> did Raven, I miss Raven something? Raven
0: refuses to acknowledge us, so he, he's dead to me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, Fair enough. But no, like. I mean. Yeah, it's that thing of, should I, like. Like I said, I felt uncomfortable watching it because, like, oh, unprotected chair shots. And it's just like, it's so out of context to what we expect in wrestling now. But yeah, at the time, yeah. I mean, the fucking one of the big stars in wrestling in like all of American media at the time was Mick Foley. And that fucker was taking unprotected yeah. chair shots. So like,
1: and this is obviously what it was evoking. Yeah, it's as like, well, so
0: who am know? I to tell the Sandman he shouldn't do it?
1: 100%. 100%. Um, immediately after that, though, I love Raven turns around into the fastest greetings oh, from Asbury Park so you've gorgeous. ever seen. Like, he got that fucker up, and he, he spiked him. The crowd at this point are baying for blood, as is Bobby mm-hmm. Heenan. Um, so Chastity is doing something over by the laundry box, and Bam Bam sprays in her direction yeah. and she appears to like fall into so the box. So what happened was
0: Raven got hit with the the greetings and he kind of rolled or was positioned on, under a table in the mm-hmm. corner. And Bam Bam was going to moonsault off yeah. the top rope through the table to
1: presumably murder Raven. Um, But in, instead, she yeah. She pops out of the box like fucking Bosco. Like, hello children sprays him in the face with the fire extinguisher he takes a a bump back through the third table and then she gets into the ring sprays raven he takes a bump she does the raven pose into a headbutt to the balls football to the groin hack style. football to the groin uh, hack pins him and wins and in I think my biggest pop of the night, she screams idiot down the camera <laughs> and at Raven like she's fucking Dennis Reynolds. <laughs> and I lost it. That's... That match, that match, ruined. Yeah, that
0: was so good. Um, and you will be pleased to know that at Spring Stampede next month, there's another similar match um which is which I'm is hyped. possibly even better
1: and this is the thing so like it's entirely this kind of you know it's like any style of wrestling and i think uh, something i'm a bit a big advocate of of and you know i look at wrestling twitter all the time the cesspool that it can be and i think people get fairly myopic about they get lost in, in, in cycles of the kind of wrestling I enjoy is how wrestling should be done the, the cor- you know it's most high profile exponent of that mentality is, is Jim Cornette mm-hmm. if it's not Jim Cornette or Lance Storm is another one as well if it's not the brand of wrestling I personally what, yeah. like it's not worth it um, I'm somebody who you know, like I said at the top of the show I like to try and expose myself to as many different styles as possible and I think any genre any type of wrestling you know all the way from like shoot style shit um, all the way to ridiculous comedy wrestling mm-hmm. and any point in between can be really good if the right people are doing it and putting it together. I completely understand there are people who won't like this garbage brawling. But when it's done right, I absolutely love it. And I, you could tell me, Lee, on this show that you gave this anywhere between like one and a half and four stars. And I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, it it kind of
0: fits depending on your specific feelings towards this type of match. I thought this was just the absolute perfect kind of ridiculous for this position on this card. And it worked totally.
1: It's the classic, your mileage may Mm -hmm. vary sort of match. um, But I personally loved it. You loved it. uh, We had a great time. This was probably the most fun I had watching something on this. Even though the next match is, you know, undeniably a much better wrestling match. I don't think I had as much fun as I did watching the hardcore match. Um, we then get uh, the co- back to the commentators and Heenan is in a huff with Tony and turns his back on him. <laughs> uh, and I love this because for a second, I couldn't tell if it was one of those moments where they genuinely were annoyed at each other or not until the very end when Tony pops huge uh, because he saw that brain still hadn't turned around. No,
0: see, what happened was he turned around and had to get Tony to move out of his way. So he could turn around. Which ah. almost broke Tanay because for the first fifteen yeah. seconds Tanay is trying desperately not to laugh.
1: Tane Yeah, but but also Tanay is like I think he's looking straight down the camera so he's not fully because he knows. So he, no, he knows if he looks at
0: Healen he's gonna break. Yeah. So yeah. Tony throws it to Tanay after he's made whatever point he's making. He throws it to Tanay to talk and at this point him and Heenan start gesturing at each other. Tonight, or, uh, Tony is telling him, like, you have to turn around. He's like, no, I, I have to broadcast. I don't have to look a specific way. I can see the ring from here. Yeah. And when they Tony says, that's fine, you know, he, he says, okay, the tag title matches up next. This is where Heenan proceeds to turn around. He hits his knee on the table, and that breaks Tony. As the camera cuts away, yeah. you see Tony is in That's place. what it was, yeah.
1: Yeah. I am... Um... Uh, let's move. Let us, you know, from the 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 goofy Three Stooges act, we move into the the most serious uh, wrestling match of the night, um, and it is the WCW World Tag Team Titles Lumberjack with Straps match, as Barry Windham and Kurt Hennig are champions against the Four Horsemen, represented by Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko. And Lee, I saw a post of yours in the Discord. Uh, We have our own channel in the Voices of Wrestling Discord, which I would urge you all to please join. We have been having some good chats in there recently. But I saw a message from you in there that leads me to believe I should be handing control of walking through this match to you. So without further ado, my friend, take the wheel.
0: Yeah, so this match was the match that I was probably anticipating most coming into the show anyway. I've been very, like, we, we, were, we were super critical of the fucking dumb tournament. They really fucked up the beginning of the tournament. But we gave them credit. They got it back by the end. Yeah. Yeah. Fucked it up so bad, they had to do it again. Yeah, but they got it back by the end, and they ended up having a really good pay-per-view match to crown the new champions. Yes. And unbelievably, they used the end of that match to build to this match. Because straight away they had yeah. the attack with the, the leather straps in the back after the, the which they showed on the next nitro, like where you see Malenko and Benoit attacking uh, Henning Henningham Wyndham backstage with the belts. And like mm. they've just been going back and forward for the last couple of weeks trying to you know, hit each other with the the leather belts or whatever. Yeah. So they've, they've to their credit, really done a great job building up this feud. I think the horsemen or Malenko and Benoit particular have like been on fire as baby faces really mm. really gotten over strong with the crowd
1: not on the mic no yes milenko is still a bit lost in that regard i mean it's not like fucking was well behind <laughs> him in that regard
0: i mean if only they had a mouthpiece there that could do all the talking for them
1: or two uh, I just, <laughs> listen it, it's a it's a mystery even fucking... Uh, even fucking Mongo as their mouthpiece would have been a better shout. But... Anyway... This match... It, it's something that I've been
0: taken notice of... Ever since he's come back. And I know he had that like weird angle where he was in the NWO for like... Two weeks or something. But ever since Barry Windham has re-emerged... I've been really impressed. Like I remember hearing... Like, people are like, oh, Barry Wyndham was finished as a wrestler by, like, 1991. Yeah. And th- to an extent, I can see why people would think that, because he never really reached the heights of what he was in the late 80s.
1: Yeah, and, you know, like, I, I think the commentary spells it out very well as well. Um, there's one point where Heenan and Tanay, I think, are talking about, like, when this guy burst on the scene... Yeah, that... The- all those years ago he was a fucking prodigy and we thought he might become the greatest mm-hmm. of all time like
0: they 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 mentioned that like his dad brought him into wrestling and everyone instantly went my god this guy is going to be phenomenal and he was for a time yeah but ever since like what was it it was like early january or something whenever he came back mm. every match he's been in yeah, his cardio wasn't always there. Yeah. But really, in the last couple of weeks, he's been on it. And I... I think at this point in 1999, he could still be one of the best wrestlers in WCW. For for the style that they were working yeah. at this point. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he's not going to go out and do 40 minutes with Flair. But he doesn't yeah. need to.
1: No, not in this era. Like... And and do you know what I'll say to his credit as well. It's revitalised Kurt Hennig. It really has, like
0: we thought we were going to get the Henning and Rude team, and unfortunately Rick Rude passed away. And yeah. it really looked like that's the direction they were going at one point in nineteen ninety eight. But yeah. but Wyndham coming in and being Henning's little running buddy was just mm-hmm. such. It's like genius the way they 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 kind of seamlessly brought it, brought it all together. And 100%, yeah. you want to talk about taking two veterans that add so much to a roster and can still play a role. Like, I honestly, like, I don't think people
1: give Barry
0: and Kurt enough credit for this run. Hmm.
1: This was the, this is like the perfect tag team I would put against a young tag team to get mm-hmm. reps. You know, uh, if I was booking the territory. Um, and that's not to say they don't have anything to offer on TV or pay-per-view, because clearly, as demonstrated by this match, they definitely do. Um now again, yeah, are they going to have knockdown drag out classics against anybody? No, they're not. But like you put them in a hot feud with a tag team like Benoit and Malenko, who even when they're the gas tanks of the older vets empty, they can still fucking carry you to a really good match. And you heat up that team mm-hmm. enough to serve you a purpose elsewhere exactly. on the card. Exactly. Like
0: th- This is a team you you put the tag belts on and they have a TV feud with somebody. But on their house yeah. show, they're working a team like a private party or yeah, a top flight or whatever. And they're getting those continuous reps against the younger guys and the younger guys are mm-hmm. learning from them and they're kind of... It's yeah. just...
1: Which, in spite of what the the PC would say nowadays, is absolutely the tried and true way of mm-hmm. getting wrestlers to a point where they are good. It, it,
0: it's honestly yeah. vital in so many wrestlers' progression to have experience like that.
1: Pretty much anyone who is any good will tell you that they got good by wrestling people who were better than them before the match started. And that is not a coincidence, you know. Um, But yeah, sorry, continue.
0: But yeah, like, that's just my kind of overreaching point about Barry Windham. Like, it's really undersold how well he did in 1999 coming back after such a long Mm. layoff. Like, he hadn't been around for... I want to say a good, like, it was 94 when he disappeared from WCW.
1: Yeah, not an insignificant period of time. So,
0: like, I mean, I know they had the the new Blackjacks run in WWF. But, I mean, like, Mm. this guy hasn't been on national TV for the most part as a major player in four or five years. Mm -hmm. And I genuinely think if they wanted to give him a... A TV title level run. Like Rick Martel in 1998. If they yeah. wanted to do that again with Barry Wyndham. As either a heel or a face. I think it would work brilliantly. Yeah.
1: Even as somebody who ultimately is a transitional champion. To serve the purpose of. Well the guy who's the champion now. He beat Barry Wyndham so he must yeah, be good. Exactly. You know, we're not saying this guy needs to be pushed to the the tippy top of WCW. But there are slots all up and down a card where a Barry Windham is priceless. And
0: especially to the WCW crowd, who we know were like really the loyalist crowd in wrestling because they absolutely went away when the company shut down. But these are people yep. that remembered all the way back to... Crockett TV to Mid Mid Atlantic, yeah. like there there was fans that were around that long that remembered Barry Windham. Like this whole feud is based off Windham and Henning were horsemen. That's the sub context to all of this.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just it's it, it's really like it's just it's just a great bit of business. But this wasn't the match
0: it? itself is just so like you want to talk about just four professional wrestlers. Who go out and have... It's not a spectacular match. It's not, you know... The Young Bucks versus Lucha Brothers. It's not that.
1: It's a tag match... Where they knew the feud they had... And they knew where they were on the card. They they worked their roles on the
0: card. They made the match feel vitally important. They worked... Mm. They worked hard... Everything looked legit. Like, this is all like, yeah. it, I hate to do that. It's the workers' workers' match. Yeah. But that's what this was. This was four guys who knew how to wrestle going out and having a proper old style professional wrestling match that the crowd were into. The baby faces, mm-hmm. both baby faces got like uh, hot tag spots. Yes. The heels were never once likable. Nobody wanted the heels to mm-hmm. win. No, (laughs) They had this ridiculous stip which they spent a month building to. And you know what? I was going to say they worked it perfectly. They established early on exactly what the stip was when Henning and Wyndham try and walk Mm -hmm. away. Instantly the lumberjacks are after them with the belts. Henning again rolls out two or three more times and instantly you know okay for anyone that's never seen a match like this yet they're going to hit them with the strap as soon as they go like as soon as their Mm -hmm. heads are going through the ropes the lumberjacks are there waiting
1: yeah oh yeah it's not like will they won't they it's immediately they work in this ridiculous gimmick
0: like i said that they spent almost milled to and they make the match fit around it and it doesn't feel forced
1: and and even what I thought was like silly complication on top of silly step, like at the start, Aaron comes out. And I actually loved it. Oh, d- d- brilliant! Aaron comes out and he ha- like he has a quick word with gentleman Chris Adams, who is one of the lumberjacks, and he goes, "Okay, fair enough." Chris Adams pops off. Aaron takes his place as a lumberjack and in one swift motion pulls his belt out. Uh, I will say, Aaron's uh, look. With uh, the turtleneck and jean jacket combo. Powerful.
0: <laughs> what What's it they call? The, the Canadian tuxedo? The denim on denim?
1: The Canadian tuxedo, um, yeah. Canadian tuxedo with a turtleneck twist is just powerful. Like Ricky Starks would never.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but he could if he wanted to. <laughs> oh, he absolutely could. Um, but again, it's, it's another small thing. But right before Aaron comes out... It's established because the camera, again, the camera work on the show, brilliant all night. I don't think they they had any major Mm -hmm. flubs that I can recall. No. Right before the match begins, you see Kurt Henning acknowledge uh, Bobby Duncombe Jr. and Kendall Windham and give them a wink. Yeah. You're my boys. And the first time the horsemen get thrown from the ring, Henning directs them. Towards he makes a show of going one direction, seeing the lads and going back towards them.
1: Yeah, he knows what side is his bread is. And that's
0: on. just again, it's little things like that. Like inexperienced wrestlers aren't going to mm. do that. Like Hennig made yeah. made sure to be seen to wink.
1: Yeah, there was also a good moment where Hennig, you know, knowing exactly where he is in the ring. Uh, make sure to get Malenko on the mat in a sleeper while facing Aaron mm-hmm. Anderson, and Aaron is trying to coach him and almost like push the bottom rope towards uh, Malenko so he'll mm-hmm. break. Um, and the whole time, Hennig is just roaring back at him, just John, just like shut up, Anderson, and just like he's gonna fall short. Shut up, Aaron. Is really, really good which then builds to the finish.
0: Yeah, I mean look, I know work on, and we're not going move for move through this match. I don't want to yeah. do this. I want people to go watch this match.
1: Yeah, I think this the opener and the the hardcore mm-hmm. match. I, I the fact that we'll have three recommendations I, I'd coming say out of this is i would take four because I throw in national Mysterio. Oh, actually yes, no, fair play. Like this might actually be one of the more you know, not in terms of star ratings, but in terms of pure entertainment value, one of the better pay-per-views mm-hmm. we watched.
0: But yeah, like um, the finish, um, what was the finish? Oh, um, like a a kind of big schmoz breaks out involving, Mm -hmm. um, I think Benoit throws Wyndham to the outside and Kendall starts trying to protect um, Barry and that just sets off everybody and there's this big schmoz and um, Mm -hmm. Henning tries to replicate what they did at the Super Bowl. Was it Super Bowl pay-per-view? Yeah. What they did at Super Bowl with with Melenko where they choked him with the belt. But Mm -hmm. it kind of backfires. And is it
1: Aaron slips in then? Yeah. So uh, Aaron, like he's kind of. Hennig has enough of Aaron, but Aaron has enough of him, and he comes in with the tire iron to murder him.
0: Um, Oh, yeah. um, Henning decks Melenko with the belt buckle. And then goes after yeah. Aaron as he turns back to Malenko. Aaron is getting in the ring with the tire iron and decks him from behind. Henning mm-hmm. takes a hell of a well. He takes a bump, and at this point, it's himself and Benoit that are the legal men. Chris yeah. Benoit is on the other side of the ring. He goes from corner to corner diagonally with a diving yeah. headbutt,
1: and I
0: fucking howled. Yeah. Just Incredible
1: Either he managed to make it Or they got literally the perfect yes, camera was angle To disguise that. him falling just a bit if short If he didn't
0: make it He almost did And the camera made it look like he yeah. held him in the stomach
1: Yeah Um, Yeah it was a great Great finish look, great I'm match. not going to
0: say this is like a match of the year Or a fucking best wrestling tag team match I've ever seen It's not that it's just such a solid match and an enjoyable match that told a great story.
1: Yeah, it it also marks a point for me where the show just trails off mm-hmm. because the last three it's matches. The of the show. I I don't know about you. We haven't. We deliberately don't talk about these shows extensively before we got on the air. But I am varying degrees of... Didn't like to hate the final three matches. If the show had ended on this tag team match finish... I would have said this is the best WCW pay-per-view we've Mm -hmm. ever watched. But sadly, the show must go on. And one of the nadirs for me... Much as it pains me to say with the two people involved... And how much we've loved them on this show is the dog collar match with Perry Saturn and Chris Jericho. Now, Jericho's fabulous fringe poncho deserves <laughs> a mention. It's the best thing in this match. I think it's the first time we've seen him in that. No, but you know what? I'm grasping at straws to find something I liked about this. I despair at how quickly Saturn went from they could do something with this guy to Leather Daddy. Because whatever about if this gimmick came around in 2022, if you give someone this gimmick, this exact gimmick in 1999, you know they're being sent out to die on their arse. This is... You know, this is a less sadly less tolerant time of somebody who's essentially doing like a kink uh, cross dressing gimmick. Yeah, this is Um,
0: hey, you listen to that Marilyn Manson music, go out and do that for us.
1: Yeah, this is half baked. You can tell Saturn's like now, look, in terms of how he dresses, he's completely committing. But but in terms of like his personality, you know he can't have been look, I'm I might be wrong. There might be a shoot interview out there where he's talking about how it was creatively it was good for him. But I got the sense that this is not what he wanted to be doing at this time. Uh even if he's trying his best to to commit to the, the look and everything. Um so as well as coming out in the, the kind of, you know, the, the leather skirt and the kind of um, the bondage gear, he also has the aforementioned piss contacts. Now, I don't know if he thought that these would come off like cool cat's eyes. But they came off like the man had eyes full of piss. <laughs> there's, no, there's no two ways about it they were piss contacts
0: yeah it
1: they did any other color any other color would they have didn't been add better
0: to his look that's all i'll say
1: no so <sighs> jericho tries to get so this is the other thing recency bias does not help this match at all because we are recording this within a couple of months of MJF and CM Punk having an iconic dog collar match that I personally, on my spreadsheet that you will see very soon on our Patreon, gave five stars Mm -hmm. to. This feud, there is a version of this feud that could have merited a bloody dog collar match as a feud ender. Because they have been beefing with each other for a long time. Jericho has repeatedly humiliated Saturn. Um, could, he should be yeah, paying it for it. It could be a good blood. way
0: for Saturn to get his comeuppance where Jericho cannot run away.
1: There are the seeds of a, a solid build to a dog collar match here. But the way they have actually done it, I didn't feel any heat to this match at all. I didn't feel any invested like for me to not feel invested in either Saturn or Jericho who we have both loved for the entire run of this podcast that takes some doing but they have killed this feud completely Mm -hmm. dead
0: instead of taking two guys that were elevated throughout 1998 and could elevate each other further up the card by having a feud with one another this now feels like a feud between two people who just can't Way to get out of this company
1: this is the this is one of those feuds where both men came out colder than mm. they went in which is the worst thing you can do like you know you want at least one person to get over more than they did and, and both men are less over by the end of this match and that is not to fault the the effort they put in this match like these guys take some hard bumps they, they take a battering with the chain and they do some of your classic dog collar match sports, the spots. But, like, I genuinely didn't give a fuck. And it's from, the like, the first moment of, you know, a Jericho trying to put the collar on Ralphus, trying to get him to do it. And then, Jer- you know, Ralphus storms off. He doesn't want to do it. He gets slapped in the face. And then he goes off. Um, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, just fucking get around to it. So I liked it when... Um, Saturn took him down with a couple of suplexes and forced the collar mm. onto him you know what I mean so that he can't get away and I thought okay maybe we're off to the races here because um, then like, not quite aware of what's happening uh, Jericho who by the way earlier in the night when he was talking to Mark Madden had said I've never been in a dog collar match but then referred to himself as the swami of dog collar matches which I, 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 I laughed at So, because he's not quite aware of what's going on, he gets the collar put on him. He tries to bail, and he gets choked and dragged back by the collar. Yeah, like, uh, um,
0: foundationally, it has all the classic spots of a dog collar match that you expect: the heel trying to run away and realizing he can't get away. But yeah, I don't know. I think even without having watched Punk MJF, this match would still come off as lame as fuck.
1: Yeah, there's like a couple of, like I said, there's a couple of good spots in here. There's a bit where um, uh, Jericho crotches Saturn on the ropes and then goes outside and pulls the chain as hard as he can, which yanks, hit, or is it the other way around? No, Saturn throws Jericho um, to the other side. Saturn hmm. throws Jericho, so Jericho is crotched, Saturn pulls the chain as hard as he can and Jericho goes flying off the ropes across hmm. onto the fence. That looked cool. There is a moment which looks like it accidentally sucked where Jericho locks in the lion tamer and Saturn's leg gets caught in the chain, which is then like for real choking Jericho as he's trying to lock the hold in. So they just bail out on it. Although I do think there is is something in there that you could do a chain assisted tamer that would look like death, you know? Something out of like the, um, you know the 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 Kyle O'Reilly um, Adam Cole with the the choke yes, out with the it, chain it, 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 it. that yeah. kind of the, the in Ring of Honor, um, that kind of shit. Um, so DVD on the chain only for two. Uh, then the chain breaks off. Uh, not sure whether this was like supposed to happen, or they just, in fairness to them, they did pivot quite well and play it into the the end of the match, which made me think that maybe it was supposed to happen, but also it's kind of one of those things where, not quite the level of, you know, uh, in TNA, the blindfold match where the bags kept falling off their heads. Um, But, you know, dog collar match where the chain breaks is just like, well, that's the fucking stip dead. Now it's just like a match with a chain.
0: I I think it was a case of, this is just too Two professional guys who just knew to cover and just kind of went straight to the finish afterwards.
1: Yeah, Yeah, so Jericho wraps himself in the chain and goes for the moonsault, eats shit. Then he tries a chain-assisted splash, and I did laugh at him tucking the chain into his jocks, uh, eats shit again, and then just a plain old Death Valley driver uh, for the win. And that's kind of what makes me lean back on the side of this wasn't the original finish, because they did the DVD on the chain. For the near fall for two and then it's just a straight up DVD I'm thinking like a, uh, a Chain it.
0: Assistance Rings of Saturn or something was to be the finish.
1: That And that would have looked good. Um, yeah, this was bad. Bad, bad, bad and I don't ever want to think about it again. Then we get uh, Mikey Whipwreck in the internet location says and rightfully so that he's proud of his performance tonight and that he he puts over Kidman as well, saying he's very impressed by him as an athlete and as a wrestler. Um very much Madden is putting over the idea that uh Whipwreck is a student of the game and that he had counters to absolutely everything that Kidman had to offer except as he said the shooting star press. There's no real counter to that is there, buddy. And uh, he says no. No. <laughs> Even though like how many people have we seen roll out of the way or get the heads? How a stool of Martial Star Press. Yeah. In fact, I believe he gets out of the way of a shooting star in press match. He in that he match. Does. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, next up we had WCW World Television title slash martial arts division title match with Scott Steiner with Buff. Uh, versus Booker T. This, this is um, a
0: rare sighting for us a Scott Steiner singles match.
1: A rare sighting of two things, uh, a Scott Steiner singles match and a Booker T match that I wasn't into. Yeah. This this this, this, this was this
0: feud just feels cold. It read really, like it doesn't feel important at all.
1: It feels cold and it felt like two men trying to have two different matches. Mm-hmm. Any time during this that Booker was reaching across to do a Scott Steiner match was were the times that things gelled better. On multiple occasions, though, Scott Steiner decided he fancied himself able to have a Booker T match. And he is literally not capable of no, doing not that. not at this point. He's not fully broken down just yet. But he cannot keep up with mm-hmm. the pace or the agility of Booker T. Um and it it just came off as like just a swing and a miss. Yeah,
0: I mean look, these two will have better matches in the next couple of years in our own. Um yeah. I don't think there's really much point in spending too much time on this one. Um no. Look they were putting a semi semi main event spot on a card they weren't really built as a major part of and it just like I said yeah. I think flat is the best way to describe it
1: and do and, you know for one of those kind of things where like it should be an awesome moment of like um, baby face the crowd is really behind Booker T uh, getting a, a title match win on a pay-per-view I felt like the finish was very flat where he's not even hitting his own move mm-hmm. to win like but Buff comes in with the chair but accidentally hits Steiner and it's not like Booker then hits you know his missile drop kick or axe kick anything like that it's just he just knocks out Buff and, and takes the pin it's like yeah. he stole the pin it, from and Buff. also
0: you have to remember you know, like Booker has spent what the previous two months feuding over the US title to now yeah. win the TV title feels like a relegation of like yeah you're over but we don't want you to be that over
1: yeah, but there is one notable thing about this match, and that is that we have a new martial arts division champion. For the first time since November, yes. It is Booker T, my friend. Um, So, St- Scott Steiner, just looking at it here, may have had just about the longest run. But only one defence but only one defense of the martial arts division title. He held it from the 22nd of November, 1998 to the 14th of March, 1999, uh, where we crowned our new linear martial arts champion, Booker T. Very interested to see where this goes next, Um, but not very interested to see this match again. Lee, one more. I know this, these next three minutes annoyed the piss (laughs) out of you without even having to ask. One more cage video package for the road, followed by your boy. It's Buff Dog himself with a fresh dye job.
0: I just hate the fucking Michael Buffer coming in and doing main events. Well, um, what's his name? Fucking, I can't even think of his name. I'm so not. Penzer's right. Penzer's right there. He was a much better announcer. But anyway... WCW wanted this big fight feel, I guess, which just never yeah. came off. Um, I mean, this fucking this match. How many steps has this match got? Uh,
1: I think since we started this podcast, uh, three more steps were retroactive. That aren't added going to, to be it. adhered to because one that was not mentioned that confused the fuck out of me but apparently happened on Nitro, and i they didn't mention it until the closing stretches of this match, or at least they didn't mention it prominently enough for me to pick up on it, was that on Monday, Charles Robinson had been told by Ric Flair to use referee's discretion. And what that panned out as during this match was, ignore all stipulations. Okay, so let's begin. For, first, of, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> Lee, what you need to see is Lee just like sat back and like hiked up the pants. He's fucking ready uh, it's to go. Like,
0: it's so stupid. First of all, they make this match. It it starts out as a personal issue of Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. And it's like, yeah, I want to be board champion again. Okay. Then it becomes, right, we're going to have it in a, a barbed wire steel cage match with no door. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. We do that. Then it becomes, you can be WCW president for life if you also win the World Heavyweight title. Yeah. Okay, but you have to retire forever if you lose. Okay, so that's another two stipulations. Then we come to find out sometime over the weekend...
1: By, By the way, there was like no... Flair already had the title match, like the whole thing was. Flair was agreeing to shit because he wanted the title match, but Flair had already agreed to the title match before the "you have to retire forever" thing. But he's also WCW it. president; he didn't have to agree to anything. Yeah, he he could have he could have made the step. Whether I win or lose, I'm president forever. Like. And then we come to learn that some point over the weekend on
0: WCW.com, they announced that this was a first blood match. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Dave. Uh, before you even say it, but you're not. <laughs> generally, in a first blood match, yeah. the loser of the match is the first person to bleed copiously. Yes. Okay. So five minutes into this match yes Ric Flair is gushing like he's just been in there with Abdullah the Butcher he is he is Ric Flair levels of bleeding and the match is never in any danger of being stopped
1: The, the way this comes out, because this is where the referee's discretion comes into play, though it was not explained until much later. What this all comes off as, because like, so I think in their heads, they thought, right, Charles Robbins is a little nate He's a WCW referee. He needs to help us fight, you know, to keep the company and the belt out of the clutches of the New World Order. But what it comes off as is... They're screwing Hogan at every turn. Flair bleeds first, as you said, in a first blood match. And there is no ifs, ands, or buts. He hit a gusher. And Charles Robinson, absolutely not ringing the bell, not even tempted. Later on in the match, Hogan drops the second leg drop of proceedings. He pins Flair... Charles Robinson does not count the pin. And in the end, when it's the finish, he fast counts it. Yeah, so so for the so baby here, no, face. No, here's,
0: here's the thing that really gets me right. They absolutely did not have to add the first blood stip. If the whole idea is that they're building to this screw job finish. Because that's what they are absolutely building okay. to here. So yes. all they had to do
1: though though they no, should, they not, should be.
0: not we'll get to that in a second.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll,
0: we'll tackle this one bit at a time, okay? So all they had to do was they they knew Flair was gonna bleed in this match. You can't have a barbed war steel cage match and not bleed. They absolutely had to bleed in this match. That's fine. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is say to the commentators you just put over. No matter how badly busted open, if it's a trickle, if it's a fucking gusher, doesn't matter. You keep pushing. This match should be stopped. The referee should be stopping this match for Rick Flair's safety. This is a forty-two-year-old, whatever his age he is at this point. It, this is not good. He's lost too much blood. This match will be stopped. Charles Robinson is, is not doing his job. There's the referee's discretion. Yeah, that's how you really put over. This is Charles Robinson favoring his 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 childhood idol.
1: Yeah, and then and then you can also tell the story through that. Is like is Charles Robinson's love for his hero going to cost his hero more than just this match? Is it going to cost him his health? You know, where you should have people in the crowd torn Mm -hmm. between stop the damn match and don't stop the match. Like
0: People should be screaming at Charles Robinson. Please stop the match. Like, you, you should be getting that kind of mankind at the Royal Rumble, like, God, for the love of God, somebody step in here! Yeah. Instead, they instantly build this match up, like from the very beginning. Ric Flair is the heel in this match. There's no, there's no yeah. doubt in my mind. Ric Flair is the heel in this match right from the start.
1: Even though, even though he's not, do you know what I mean? In the match, if you if we had never watched any WCW before, and you put this match in front of somebody, Ric yeah, Flair like, is the heel. But in terms of the entire build and what organisation slash faction each one of these mm-hmm. is working for and what the outcome of each potential stipulation is, he's not supposed no. to be the heel. It, it's absolutely
0: ridiculous the way they laid this out. Like, Hogan is 100% playing to the crowd as a babyface.
1: Yeah. Can I can I just point out as well, I've been listening to, and I would thoroughly recommend it, I've just started, the Lapsed Fans' five-part bash at the beach breakdown, each episode being like fucking hours five long, hours yeah. long. So good, so good. I love the Lapsed Fans so much. They talk about how, under the terms of his new contract that he signed, like ninety-seven, eight. It was March it was 98, 98. ninety-eight. So he is earning minimum, and this is before you factor in his merch or anything like that. If this pay-per-view bombs, if no one bought it, his minimum guarantee is that he gets 1.3 million dollars 3 times a year for six pay-per-views total. And that I believe in the final year of his 4-year deal, that would escalate even more. So, he's also getting like a cut of mm-hmm. the pay-per-view He is getting a cut of the live gate, all this sort of stuff. And, you know, at first, until the blood stuff happens and everything, all the fucking logic goes out the window. I was like, Hogan's looking all right here for Hogan. You know, he's obviously both men particularly Hogan, are past their physical peak and Hogan, in terms of the star ratings that man can deliver, never particularly Mm -hmm. great. But I thought to myself, you know what? Flair can still sell like a champ, which makes Hogan's power spots look really good. And if it's this for a while and it's just these two titans slugging at one another, I'm here for it. But it went from that to this cavalcade of bullshit so quickly. And like how the dude is earning, like, I know it's Hogan. Do you know what I mean? There's no point in me even ruminating on this out loud, but here I am. This guy is earning so fucking much money. Why is it? Because I'm fully confident that the reason he is essentially the baby face in this match is he wants to be the baby face in this match. You know, I, I fully believe that with every bit of my heart and soul. But I ask you, friend, why? Why would you have earned that much money? I give a fuck at this stage. You know, like I just, I just despair because this match, I know, F- Flair versus Hogan has always been mm-hmm. snake bitten. Every time they've done it, it has never lived up to expectations. But I think this is the closest you've come to the only thing that stopped this from not living up to expectations, but at least being a moderately passable World Championship main event with significant impact, is just the absolute worst overcomplication bullshit that you very accurately said on our Twitter account, at WCW Thunderpod. Russo gets a lot of shit for overbooking and overstipping every single match, but this was fucking preposterous. I mean, it's
0: it's ludicrous the level to which they over promised with stipulations on this. I mean, it's like all they had to do was say, "Rick Flair, Hulk Hogan, Steel Cage, Champion, President for Life, or Retirement." That's the stip. That's the build. It's yeah. the brand new NWO. Fucking Hollywood. Wolfpack, whatever the fuck they're called after being built yeah. up as these big, bad, fucking evil guys, all come back together to once again rule over WCW and then you have WCW saviour, Ric Flair coming in, he's not the Ric Flair of old, he's this new modern Ric Flair, he understands what he is he's, he, you know, he, yeah. he's being phased out to a president role, he's probably not fit to be world champion at this stage you have the horseman on the undercard winning the tag belts as the fucking fiery fieriest
1: of fiery baby faces. How how was the closing image of this pay-per-view not the horseman For standing? For the first tall time three belts.
0: For the first time yeah. it would have been. And it's just they cannot help themselves. They get in their own way. So yeah. Much.
1: Because, because, as you in particular have outlined beautifully, there are even ways of doing each individual step that they threw onto this well. Mm-hmm. They absolutely, again, if you and I had the book, none of this fucking overstipping bullshit is happening. That said, there is a way you can do the cage match great. There's a way you can do the blood great. There is obviously a way you can. Telegraph and do The ref's discretion bit mm-hmm. Great But they don't They do it in a way Where I can only surmise The chief purpose of this Was not to have um, Flair Triumphant in victory And finally Rest the belt To the horseman Away from the NWO The main goal Of the structure of this match Is to get Hogan over As a babyface yeah, Who was screwed that.
0: That's what it comes off as to me. Ric Flair wants to be a heel again. Hulk Hogan wants to be a face again. Fuck what's gone on in the past three months. It doesn't matter. Yeah, this is what we want. Forget that Malenko and Benoit yeah. are like the hot new babyface tag team in the fucking company. Yeah. No, it's mm-hmm. we're doing a double turn. Fuck everything else. It doesn't matter. We'll rewrite it tomorrow
1: yeah which makes absolute like again somebody something else that plays into this match that we haven't even really mentioned yet is david flair comes out
0: meaningless you know totally and meaningless
1: doing a dub, doing a double turn completely cuts the legs out from underneath that storyline mm-hmm. um you know arn comes out like as a triumphant like arn comes out and arn is coming out to interfere in an entirely different match like Aaron is coming out and doing the past to attire iron in as if in Aaron Anderson's head he's helping the babyface who is being screwed by um fucking n w o ref and all the n w o shenanigans and he's trying to even the score mm-hmm. that's what Aaron thinks he's running out into, but he's Vince McMahon handing the chair to Steve Austin, yeah, functionally you know yeah. and like I don't want to say I, I, this isn't as bad obviously in terms of long term repercussions as beating the streak uh, or as the finger poke of doom but this is perhaps the most WCW booked match the most death rattle of this company this is why they fucking closed down bullshit of all time because if you ask like a single fan going into the building that night or a single fan who bought a pay-per-view that night or a single fan who's a fan of WCW and you laid out the hypothetical of this match bell to bell there's not a single one of them that would have wanted that or be interested to see what played out from a double turn or you know anything like that no one can have been happy with this
0: all like again okay if the ultimate goal is to get back to babyface Hulk Hogan and heel Ric Flair. Okay, we can get there. But it doesn't have to be done on this night. Uh, like, yeah. again, straight off the top of my head. You want Ric Flair as the, as the heel. Fine. Ric Flair wins yeah. the belt tonight. Big triumph, triumphant. The horsemen have their moments. They're on top of the world. Rick Flair is now yeah. world champ. He now has the tag team yeah. champions in his stable. He's also the president of the company. Yeah. Brilliant. He starts yeah. to be using power. They start to become the NWO. Ric Flair is now Hogan and Bischoff rolled into one.
1: And who's the only person that can stop him?
0: Goldberg. There you go.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But, like, and and this is, like, the the thing, you know, I mentioned there a minute ago, the thing that is most obvious to me that this wasn't even remotely taught out is what a sore fucking thumb David Flair sticks out as in this. Because booking this match and booking the idea of, like, Flair being a heel again, Hogan being a babyface again, it completely, like, not that it was exactly fucking a great work of literature before that or great dramatic work but it makes the entire David turn make absolutely no sense because he is still a heel but now he's on the babyface side
0: yeah and it
1: like look the babyfaces who tortured him with a stun gun like six weeks ago
0: yeah, and I I get the this, this story they're going for is that Rick is so obsessed with being world champion for the 14th time that he doesn't care about his son. Like, he spits at David Flair. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. But. And look, you know, I'm all on board not caring about but, David Flair. Yeah,
0: exactly. But that doesn't
1: negate that David Flair also betrayed his dad. Yeah.
0: Like, two two shitheads being shitheads doesn't make one of them a good guy.
1: Yeah. So, I like... It's just I, I, don't, I, I don't even want to, like, recount the stuff that happens in this match. Because, again, a lot of it, like, even some of the cool moments, like, you know, Hogan doing his his strength spots or doing for the first time in a long time, as they point out, another indicator of the double turn um is them talking about mm-hmm. him hulking up, which he hardly ever does anymore, um and the crowd getting into it and him i suppose the the uh, the thing i always love about the the hulking up when it's flare is the bit he adds into the hulk up where he walks through a chop i do think that's a cool thing out of context in this i'm just like why am i why am i cheering for the heel hulking Mm -hmm. up here i i I shouldn't be hating that i i should be hating this um the rest discretion thing like we said is an absolute fucking mess like both men are just drenched in blood. <laughs> the ref just doesn't give a fuck. Just don't make. Just don't add that stuff. It just.
0: It's. It's. They can't help themselves. They really can't.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. And I guess yeah. So Flair, um, Flair gets a tire iron, knocks Hogan completely unconscious. Uh. And then instead of just pinning him, puts him in the figure four, and his shoulders are down. So Charles Robinson fast counts to pin. And it's just the most overwrought shit in the world. And what should be a triumphant moment uh, of all the horsemen standing tall with their belts, as we said, is just kind of a rush. The cage comes halfway up, Flair celebrates a little bit with the belt, and the show ends. And I'm just sitting on the couch going, uh, that was a complete fucking waste of time and energy. Yeah, uh, it... You know, and and Buffer making it even worse by you can hear him out of off screen going, you have seen history being made. And I was like, well, I guess yes. Yeah, just because history was made doesn't make it good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look,
0: this pay-per-view had so much promise, even had some really good moments. And like you said, it's that last 50 minutes to an hour with the last three matches just kill any possible cares I could have about anything going forward here
1: yeah just just awful just just awful anyway look let's get a, a final summation here mate um your thoughts on the show overall winners and losers
0: i mean the first half of the show there was two bad matches but everything up to match six. Like, you had the great opener for the Cruiserweight belt. You had Nash and yeah. Ray, a really good match. Like you said, Nash's best performance by far. You had the, the Hardcore 3-way, which, again, yeah, your, your mileage may vary depending on how much you want um, different styles on a show, but, again, both of us loved it. And then that tag match. Mm-hmm. Just a phenomenal piece of business which has just been killed stone dead by what went on in that main event.
1: Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Did you give your runners an illusion? Sorry, Uh, I'm just like, (sighs) I'm just so like, this is just recounting this match has completely wiped me out in a way that like I can't remember being wiped out after one of these shows. Do you know who the bigger winner
0: is in the show? Kevin Ash, because he got away from Hogan. He doesn't have to be in a feud with Hogan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Smartest man in the biz. Booker man, you've done a
0: good job. Losers. Chris Benoit and Dean Malenko, because now they have to go heel because of what Ric Flair did in the main event.
1: Yeah. And everybody involved in the main event as well. Just awful. You know, except Aaron, who thought he was in a different fucking match. Yeah. Um, Right, your finish counter brought to you by Ludwig Borga. Nine matches with, and this very much WCW, nine matches, five clean finishes, and four interference leading to a finish. (laughs) Um, Right, on that rather dour note, uh, we're going to leave you to it for another two weeks. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in uh, to another episode of Days of Thunder. Keep an eye out on the socials uh, for more word, uh, more teasing of the Days of Thunder Patreon coming in June. Um... And yeah, our next episode will be uh, TRL. Um, So look forward to that. And then we will regrettably return uh, to the timeline after that. If you saw my my post about what shows are upcoming, we've got some hot bullshit coming (laughs) your way, but also some genuine, like, hot moments, uh, iconic moments. The the
0: next six shows, we have TRL and Knights of Nitro.
1: No, TRL, thunder, uh, thunder, Knights of Nitro. Knights thunder. of Nitro, Thunder, Knights of Nitro. Um, Yeah, so it's... Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting ride. The next couple of months are fun, and they're a little bit kind of... Um we're changing things up a bit uh, in terms of, like, the the kinds of shows, but uh, I am not, after this, hyped to see more WCW, so it's really good that we slotted in a TRL after this. <laughs> I think that's our our go-to move now,
0: is uh, <laughs> slotting a show that's just totally off timeline, just to get us refreshed.
1: Yeah, yeah. When's it our Ketoween? Is that soon?
0: <laughs> it's always our Ketoween in our hearts.
1: yeah. that, not that the truth and not that the truth right anyway uh, go on Uh, thanks for listening Um, we'll see you in two weeks bye bye thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Days of Thunder Days of Thunder was produced by Lee Malone and edited by me Dave Ryan keep up to date with the show and find all the ways to listen to us you can follow us on Twitter at WCW Thunderpod or click the link tree link in our Twitter bio or in the show notes I am at the day to Dave on Twitter and Lee is at Malone underscore seven one three. Days of Thunder is a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Follow the VOW network anywhere. Good podcasts are sold for more fine podcasts that you can shake a stick at. Thanks.